right now. now. Online at thezone1059.com and on your radio at ESPN 105.9 The Zone. Guess what day it is? Huh? Anybody? Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Let's guess what today is. It's hump day. You made it to the halfway point of the week. Bill, I got an echo coming back at me. Is that me or you? How about now? Test one, two. Ah, there it is. That sounds... One of me is enough, I can assure you. Welcome in on this happy, happy hump day. I'm Matt in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau Insurance. Go! With the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance. Your hometown heroes. That's your local Farm Bureau Insurance agents all across the great state of Mississippi. Jason, the first to comment on Facebook, said, Hump Day, yeah, do the Humpy Dance. Come on. Come on. Yes. Made it to the halfway point of the week. There's a little Wednesday night football going on tonight. You don't think about that, but it is. A little maxion or something like that anyway. Uh, then, of course, NFL and some real football kick up tomorrow night. <laughs> and then we'll make our way into the next to the last weekend of the regular season for college football. And, man, it's just flying by. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I do. It's like I feel like we just got started with football season. I look up and it's, heck, man, it's almost Thanksgiving. Well, regardless, you can celebrate with the Humpty Dance. Come on, yes, all right. You know good and well you're bouncing around behind the steering wheel right now. You know you are. Okay, so lots of ways for you to be a part of the show here today on this Wednesday. I hope you will be. Hey, if you're looking in on the live stream on Facebook or Twitch, type in a comment. Hit comment, and I'll see it right here in one place. Text me on the Country Pleasing text line, Country Pleasing Sausage, on grocery store shelves throughout the Southeast. It is the best sausage, hands down. It's not close. Check it out. You can get some in grocery stores all over the place. I get mine in Walmart. I bought some last night in Kroger. My wife sent me into Kroger to get something else, and so I swung through the produce section over there and in my Kroger they had jalapeno and cheddar they had original they had andouille or andouille however you want to pronounce it and they had green onion flavor at my Kroger in Tupelo so I bought some and I walked in with it and she's like what do you buy sausage for you got like a freezer full of it what would you buy that for (laughs) I can't help it Yes, and call me on the Divini phone. Love to hear your voice today, so hit me up. Give me a call. Uh, the Divini phone is 995-1059. It's a 601 number, 995-1059. So lots of ways for you to get in. Uh, I got some texts coming in. I'll hit those for you. Listen, what do you want to talk about today on this Wednesday? Uh, there's a lot out there, okay? There's a lot out there. Now, I was listening into a conversation before I came in here and jumped into the Farm Bureau studio, uh, just looking ahead to NFL games this weekend. I'm really, really excited to see Cowboys and Chiefs. And it's kind of weird. Now, they have played each other before since Dak got to Dallas. 
And, uh, you know, I told you I've kind of become like a quasi-Cowboys fan, really maybe even more than quasi, because of Dak Prescott. Like, I watch every snap he takes, <laughs> and if he's playing, I want him to win, you know. Um, but now you're he's going up against a team that I've been cheering for and wanting to see him win since I was about 11, 12 years old. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs! And anyway, Chiefs coming off a big win over the Raiders. And and everybody's just proclaimed, you know, Kansas City's back. And they were a little bit better on offense, but I don't know that they're necessarily back yet, you know, because earlier in the year they just looked off. It's almost like they hadn't practiced that well or something. I don't know how, how else to describe it. And defensively, a little banged up here and there and hadn't been able to stop anybody's run game. And, well, holy cow, if you have a hard time stopping the run, what are you going to do with the Cowboys, right? So it's like I kind of halfway expect the Cowboys to win the game, but I expect it to be fireworks regardless, one way or the other. So I'm really looking forward to that one. And then I haven't looked at all the schedule, but what, um, Saints have the Bills this weekend? <clears throat> See, and the Bills are are kind of like a similar path here going on to the – no, that's not right. They don't have the Bills. They have the Eagles. Saints are at the Eagles. Okay, so they're not playing the Bills. Anyway, the Bills are kind of like the Cowboys. Two weeks ago, they just got – they get embarrassed and a loss. That one for them was to Jacksonville. And they turn right back around and blow somebody else out this past weekend and kind of are who they're supposed to be. Yeah. So, uh, but they're not, the Saints are not playing the Bills this weekend. They're in Philadelphia. And Philadelphia is four and six and coming off a, a nice win in Denver. That was an entertaining game. If y'all don't know if you caught Philadelphia and Denver, but that was an entertaining game. And, um, Jalen Hurts is coming along, getting better. Had a couple of really nice touchdown throws to the uh, reigning Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith from Alabama. He, he had a couple of touchdown catches, and the Eagles got their fourth win. So they're four and six, hosting the Saints this weekend. Saints are five and two, five and four, coming off the loss to Tennessee. In a lot of ways, played well enough to to maybe win that Tennessee game. But what two extra points that you miss that kind of make the difference? Uh, when it was all said and done, forced you to have to go to go for two at the end of it, and and here's what's crazy about that. that's how close the Saints are. You know, it's just like an unfortunate year, but defensively the Saints are good. I do think Mark Ingram has added something to them, but they haven't been healthy, obviously, on offense either in the preseason or to this point during the season. And still, they're sitting there at five and four. They got a really nice win over Tampa at home, and that's a team that in Tennessee that a lot of people are putting at the top of the NFL right now. A lot of the national talking heads are putting the Tennessee Titans right up there at the top of the NFL, saying they're the number one team in the NFL right now with with only two losses. And the Saints had every opportunity to win that game. I mean, they're right there toe-to-toe with them in Nashville this past weekend. But the Saints coming off that loss. Saints are 3-2 and two this year on the road. And get this, the Eagles are 0-4. Oh and 4. <laughs> Philadelphia has not won a home game yet, and they are less than a field goal favorite at home hosting the Saints this weekend. That'll be a noon kickoff on Fox, and then right after that you get Cowboys and Chiefs on Fox. It'll be a Fox doubleheader around here because you know locally they're going to want to show both of those games. All right, so let's hit the country, please, and text line, see what direction you guys would like to go uh, here on this Wednesday. Woodrow 
not pulling any punches. He was the first text to come in on the country pleasing text line. He said, I might need some sonic boom after that. Well, why not? Yeah, the JSU Sonic Boom. Getting ready to host Alcorn State this weekend. Roll your window down. Turn it up to 11. See if you turn a few heads. I bet you do. Thanks for the request, Woodrow, the JSU Sonic Boom. Delta Tide fan. Delta Tide fan said, what's the deal with Channel 12 not having the Alabama-Arkansas game scheduled for Saturday at 2.30 on my dish schedule? I'll be in a deer stand during a ball game. Well, you know, I would I'm I hadn't had dish in a long time, Delta Tide fan, but I would tell you that just because it's not on the the guide schedule right now doesn't necessarily mean they aren't showing it. I mean, I would feel certain your local S- your local CBS affiliate is definitely going to show that football game, whether it's on your guide at this point or not. <clears throat> anyway, he texted and he said he's going to be in a deer stand during the time the game's going to go on, so he won't be able to watch or listen to the game. And he has all the Alabama games set to record on his television, but the game Saturday is supposed to be on CBS. It'll be on there, Delta Tide fans. That's what I'm telling you. Now, if you get CBS, you'll be you'll get Alabama and Arkansas at 2.30. But if it doesn't pop up on the guide, you may just have to get somebody to go in there and record it manually. You know, but back when I had Dish for my television uh, service, you could get the Dish, what is it called? The Dish Anywhere app. Right. So you get the Dish Anywhere app. Put it on your phone. And you are able to log into it through your Dish account. And you can actually watch live TV and stuff on your phone, but you can set things to record with your phone also. So you could also manually start it at the right time using that thing. And it will be on your radio, too. Yeah, he said, but the thing is, he's going to be in a... So far away. Well, but he's going to be in a deer stand, right? So he doesn't want... I guess he doesn't want to wear headphones or earbuds. He wants to be able to hear... Which I understand that if you're hunting, you know, but but it, he's that's it. I mean, if you want to get the game, it'll be on the radio, just like Bill said. Yeah, we carry that on our sister station. And what's that number again? That's uh, 1400 AM and 106.3 FM. The okay. Fan. Okay. The fan. 1400 or 106.3 if you want to listen to the game on the radio. All right, Bull texted the show talking about sausage. Uh, he said, I tried the gator and pork, and it's incredible. I've heard nothing but good reviews on that. Uh, Flowtown Ghost says, let's talk about how much better Rodgers is playing than Corral. Well, is he? I mean, Matt Corral's been pretty consistent all year long, hasn't he? A little, little banged up, not 100% healthy the whole year, but, I mean, he's been pretty doggone consistent. I don't, I don't know what his numbers were. What the stats were against uh, A&M this past week. I could look it up and see. I mean, they're both playing well. Buffalo Chris. Okay, so it's Bills Saints on Thanksgiving. So so Saints are on the road at Philadelphia and then turn around with a short week and play on Thursday 
by hosting the Bills. Okay, gotcha. Well, and the Bills will be at home this weekend. They're, so short week for them too. They'll be at home this weekend hosting the Colts. That's a heck of a ball game right there. Colts five and five, probably a little better team than the record shows. Um, more competitive anyway than you would think if you look at the teams five and five. Bills are th- six and three. You know, and the Bills are a little better than that six and three record. Um, you would think that uh, they're a surefire playoff team. We'll see. Right now, the Titans kind of are leading the pack over there in the AFC, eight and two. We'll see if they keep that up. So, Cowboys are at Kansas City this Sunday. Then they turn around short week, play on Thanksgiving against who is it, the Raiders? Yep. A lot of silver on the field on Thanksgiving Day. Black and silver on the road at silver and white. Or what are the Cowboys? Silver and blue? Do you call the Cowboys home uniform silver and blue or just silver and white? Lots of silver in that game. And the Lions always play on Thanksgiving too, huh? Uh, Grumpy texted the show and said, Matt, like the Beach Boys song says, be true to your school regarding Dak. Okay, so you want me to root for Dak and not the Chiefs? Well, here's the thing. The Chiefs got state kids on them too. (laughs) Several. There's only one former Bulldog on the Cowboys team that's Dak. But when you look at the Chiefs, you got uh, two guys on defense, Chris Jones and Willie Gay, former Bulldogs over there. Yeah. Jason uh, on Facebook said that he got upset when they changed games from Dallas to a different game, turned it because you wanted to watch Dak. Oh, yeah, this past weekend, but they, they changed it. Who was it? Was it Fox or was it CBS? It was one of those. And Dallas was playing the early game, and they were just absolutely blowing the doors off of um, Atlanta. What, 28 offensive points and then got a block punt return for touchdown, so they were up 30-something to three, I think it was, at halftime. It's just a blowout. And as soon as it got into 40s, TV cut away to a more competitive game. And they, the one here, and maybe it was everybody, if you were watching it, but the one that they cut away to was Washington and Tampa, which was actually pretty interesting, especially you know watching Brady and and the Buccaneers lose that ball game. Rep Dog, what's up with you? Appreciate your text on a Wednesday. He says, "Just got finished watching your film breakdown of the Auburn game. Great job as always. Thank you so much for doing." that for us. You seem to enjoy it, and I think I speak for all of us and say that we love you doing it. Well, thanks, Rep Dog. Yeah, I do appreciate y'all watching. I enjoy doing it. You know, a, a big purpose is to, I learn a lot, you know, when I do it. And uh, it would be a much different project if, you know, if I were doing something like that for the purpose of, uh, you know, coaches or players, because uh, then you'd have to get into a lot more lingo and and terms and stuff, and Doing it just for me and you and fans, I don't have to fool with all that lingo. I can just kind of point out what's going on. And I think it's been good because a lot of people have looked at that and can get appreciation for how much information those players are trying to process while running full speed and have to do it within a couple of seconds. It's good to remember that. I think and I appreciate the kind words also. If y'all want to watch that film breakdown, it's really long, broken down first half, second half. But there's on YouTube, there are, you know, 
chapters where markers where you can jump from one play to the next. Um, and it's just a film study from the Mississippi State and Auburn game this past weekend. White Denzel says, said it once, I'll say it again. I think Chicken Hawk has told Rooster to call in and say ridiculous things so people will be begging to have Chicken Hawk back. <laughs> Chicken Hawk's just, we talked, and Chicken Hawk's just taking a little break from calling in. He just needed a break. <clears throat> now, uh, unnamed texture says, do you feel like Will Rogers will be a leading Heisman candidate at the beginning of next season? I actually do, yeah. I actually do. I think he'll be in those conversations. Now, whether he's leading candidate, I don't know. And I think, you know, the Heisman, let's keep it into perspective what it is. It's an individual award that comes out of a team sport. And the success or not of the team has an effect on the individual in the race. It definitely does. Like, for, I'm being dead serious when I say this. Y'all... I think I know how you would answer if I were to phrase this question this way. Ole Miss, for instance, they're sitting there with two losses, right? And and yes, one of them's to Alabama, and it's a blowout. Okay, whatever. But and then the other one's on the road at Auburn. If Ole Miss only had one loss, and Matt Corral's numbers were exactly the same as they are right now, guess what? He would be a stronger candidate for Heisman. <laughs> not one thing different about his stats, not one thing different about his play, just the difference in the win-loss record. Instead of two losses, they've only got one. Guess what? He'd be a stronger candidate for that individual award. You know it and I know it. Now explain it. We can't explain it. See, it's a totally there's a definitely a, this um, perception slash hype slash you know subjectivity to that award. There definitely is. You can look at a few players in the past who have won it and are big time beneficiaries of being on the best team, and their numbers and stats individually could have been exactly the same, but on a team with three losses and not in the playoff, they ain't winning the Heisman. Period. And you know it and I know it. So it's an individual award that comes out of a team sport. And I just think that um, I just think that it's it, it's hard to predict it because of that. Does that make any sense at all? It's a little bit harder to predict it. With that said, you know, let's say that you know, Will throws for what he's been throwing for here, you know, recently. Uh, finish a year strong. Y- you know, I don't know that they necessarily have to beat Ole Miss in the Egg Bowl for him to start next year as a Heisman candidate. But if they do, that only helps the case. You know, you play in a bowl game, play well. Yeah, because you'll go into the year and anybody with <laughs> sense will look at it and go, hey, look, this kid's numbers are going to be way up there. And so he's going to have a chance to blow everybody else's numbers out. And and if that is paired with some of the right wins, then he's going to be in the conversation. That's kind of how that works, I believe. That's how that works, I do believe. Hey, and Bill, tell Chris, I see Chris hanging on, but I'm afraid if I come to him right now, the music's going to cut him off. And it's not, you know, so if he'll just hang on, we'll come to him in a second when he'll make sure he's got time to do it. 
But anyway, back to the text to answer the question. Yeah, I think so. Just, you know, as well as he's playing now, if he finishes strong, the numbers are going to be way up there. He'll be in, in Heisman conversation stuff going into next year. I feel like it. To what degree? I don't know. But he'll be in those conversations uh, somewhat. Uh, unnamed Texer said, in your opinion, does Shadur Sanders have an outside shot to win the Connerly? Yeah, I mean, I would think that he does, has an outside shot. Now, certainly, you know, the two quarterbacks at State and Ole Miss have an inside shot, right? And it's going to be really, really, really hard for Matt Corral not to win the Connolly Trophy this year because of the year he's had. Uh, their win-loss, Egg Bowl or not, their win-loss is going to be sitting there at either two losses or three, okay, in an SEC schedule. And he's a projected high draft pick, right? So it's going to be really hard for uh, Corral not to win it. But you look at it and go, if Corral doesn't win it, what's the reason? It'll be because it would be because Will Rogers has a great game in the Egg Bowl, right? So outside shot, sure. But being a freshman, first-year player there, and being at Jackson State and not at one of the SEC schools makes it a little more difficult, I think. But I think, you know, we're talking about preseason lists. You know, go ahead and put Will Rogers and Shadur Sanders as maybe one and two on next year's Connolly list going into the season. And by the way, the C Spire Connolly Trophy is going to be given out. They're going to have a presentation on Tuesday night. Uh, after Thanksgiving, that following Tuesday night at the Country Club of Jackson, the C Spire Connolly Trophy. So put that on your calendar. We'll talk about it. All right, we'll get to Chris's phone call, more of your texts coming up. I'm Matt in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Stick around. Hey, here we go. Back with you. Hour number one of the show, just getting started with you here today on this Wednesday. I'm Matt in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team, check out my new hat from the Mississippi State University Golf Course. Fits great. It's got that mesh on the back and then the gray bill and front panel. And then a maroon state in that script state that the baseball team wears some. So it's pretty subtle. Pretty subtle. you got to look close to see what's on there. I like it. Brand new. Got it at the Mississippi State University Golf Course. They are at Hale State GC on Twitter and Instagram. All right. Over to the phone line, Divinity Equipment phone. Chris on line one. Thanks for calling, Chris. What's up? How you doing there, Matt? All right. How are you? Hello. Hey, Chris. Let her rip. Hello. All right. He can't hear us. Hello. All right, we'll try it again. See if he can hear you now. Hey, Chris, you got me? No, he gone. Well, he hung up. He gone. You want to try Jay on line two? Let's try Jay on line two. Hey, Jay, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Can uh, you hear me? Yep, got you loud and clear. Let her rip. I've got a, I've got a question. I'm a former coach. What What is the law coach going for two nine-point in the middle of fourth quarter. I don't see any positives of that at all. Of course, he didn't get it, which made it look even worse. But yeah. what's your thoughts? I questioned it at the time, Jay. And, and you know, I'd like to hear your thoughts on it, too, and kind of like, you know, what you were looking at at the time. I'm trying to go back here and just 
really quickly refresh my memory by pulling up the uh, the exact situation, but I know it was in the fourth quarter. And like you say, okay, it was a it was a nine point game. Um, after they scored, this is late, right? And you were thinking at some point they may be in onside kick territory. All this, so when they score the six, it cuts it to nine. And by kicking the extra point, all they had to do is kick the extra point. Is what I'm thinking. And you've already automatically got a one score ball game, which technically one score touchdown and then a two point conversion to tie, right? And by well, kick, you're, you're still in the game. I mean, you that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying is, is you're you're still in the game because by kicking the extra point, what time is left on the clock? Everybody on your sideline knows we can score one touchdown and have a chance to tie the game with a two point. Right? Isn't that, isn't that what you were right. thinking? That's exactly what right. I hope the Auburn media just beat him up because somebody that makes the money they make that's just a bonehead decision to me. I don't just don't understand it. Well, and and there were some friends of mine who had different perspectives on it because we covered it on the radio broadcast. We're sitting there looking at it, and I mentioned it when it happened. Then we came back right from the commercial break right after the score on the broadcast, and I was just thinking, okay. Trying to figure out what, why would they go ahead and try the two point there? And some people go, well, look, they're going to need a two point conversion one way or the other. They either need it now or they need it later. But I am looking at it from the standpoint of, you know, kind of like, what are my chances in the last three minutes? And if you, if you go for two right then and miss, which they did, it remains a nine point game, right? And then you got to get two offensive possessions. To, to either tie or win, but just by kick, by right. kicking, by kicking the extra point right there, they would cut it to eight, and all you would need is one offensive possession with a chance to tie. So I'm with you. Right. I, I, I'm with you. I thought it was the wrong move for Auburn. I thought the uh, TV guys were saying the same thing. They just really couldn't. I mean, why just? That's not a that's not a time to chase points. I don't think. Yeah. Well, let me ask you another one too, Jay. While we're on it, what about Mississippi State, for example? When they when they went up twenty nine twenty eight, okay, that was in the fourth quarter, and there were still thirteen and a half minutes left. State scored with thirteen and a half minutes left in the game to go up twenty nine twenty eight, and instead of kicking an extra point, making it a two-point game. They went for two to try to make it a three-point game. And I felt like a lot of I, a lot of times I feel like with that much time left, it's regardless of the situation, it's too early to chase that extra point there, right? So if they kick an extra point, sure, it makes it only a two-point game. But you see, they came back and scored again. And now you were up 36-28, you're up by eight, and all you needed was an extra point to make it a nine-point game. Instead, they go for two. and cause it, by, by, I guess that's what I'm saying is you're chasing this one little extra point on the scoreboard by going for two early when you really ought to just put the easy point on the board and worry about chasing points at the end of the game. That's kind of how I feel about it. The mistake to me was going for two before and up the score earlier. That was a mistake. Okay, so they because they went they went for two twice, and the score before that was I thought was no reason to be chasing points. They were trying to make it uh, 28-24, I guess. I don't remember the. No, score. you're exactly right. Okay, <laughs> you're exactly right, Jay. That's it. It wasn't the. It was once in the fourth, but okay. Let me back up. 
So with four and a half minutes left in the third quarter, the when Dylan Johnson caught the three yard touchdown pass, the right. six the six points cut it to twenty eight twenty three, five point game twenty eight twenty three. Kicking the extra point, it would make it a four point game twenty eight twenty four. They went for two to try to cut it to a five a, a three point game twenty eight twenty five. But you're, it's four and a half minutes left in the third quarter. There's so much time left. That's why I'm. I'm like you. I'm right there going. There's. You don't need to cut this thing to a field goal now. Don't worry about it. Just put the point on the board. And if you need to chase points, you can do it at the end of the game. I guess is what we're saying. Well, if they if they to kick both of them, they've been a three. That's it. If in in there's two two failed two point conversions on back to back scoring drives. If you kick two extra points right there, right there at the end. It's basically out of reach for Auburn, you know. Yeah, my Saints have got that issue too. They go for two way too often. It's cost them a few games. I just anyway. Yeah. Well, I had to get off subject there. Sorry. That's all right. No problem. The thing about the Saints was their kicker missed two extra points that that were kicks. Uh, this is the other day against um, Tennessee, and I don't know if the wind was blowing, but the way those kicks curved from one side to the other, it's like he was kicking a curveball, yeah. you know. He was struggling. Yeah. All right, I Jay. Think they still have the same kicker. Listen, thank you so much, man. Yeah, thank you. And I know that if you're listening, it can be confusing hearing all those numbers. But if you watch, you know those situations we're talking about. You know, State was chasing some points at the end of the third quarter, trying to go for two then, trying to cut it to three. Instead of just kicking, you cut it to four. You got so much football left to play. Um, generally, those you come back and you go, boy, it sure would be nice to have that one or those two extra points on the board and then make it this kind of game. And then Auburn at the end, that was a deal. You know, they're they're down 43-28. Right? So it was a 15-point ball game. It was a 15-point game. 43-28. And they scored. Put the six points on the board with a late touchdown. Cut it to nine, 43-34. And with three and a half minutes left, they went ahead and went for two to try to make it a seven-point game. Didn't get it, and it remained a nine-point game with three and a half minutes left. And what Jay and I are saying is all they had to do, they kicked the extra point right there. Auburn makes it an eight-point game. So then all they have to do is get the ball back once. They need one drive. By not getting two right there, now they put themselves in a situation all they need, they're going to have to have two offensive drives. All right, back over to the phone. Chris, back with us, hanging on. Chris, what's up? How you doing, man? Just right. So this is cupcake week, right? Uh, well, for some, not all, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying this has always been what they've always called the cupcake week for Alabama before the Iron Bowl, right? Yeah. So evidently states have followed that model. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. What I want to know is this, is how many quarterbacks throw a pass in this weekend's game? Hmm. I think it'll be two. That's, that's my I theory. Think, I think it's going to be at least three. Well, it'd be okay. It'd be I all mean, right. We'll get one of those. I, I, I hope, I hope, for goodness, they don't play Will Rogers back at 
the after halftime at the Kentucky. Well, let, and, the, let the kids, let the kids sit and relax. Yeah, but you know that's the deal. I mean, the game's got to be you got to you got to. I mean, the game's got to be fairly well put away in order to get your players out of it. You know, um, and the other should, thing is, is that how many points do you actually think your KFC Chiefs are going to actually score this week? Who? How many points are they going to score? They the Chiefs will score twenty eight on the Cowboys. So it's going to be forty five to twenty eight. See, that's it. I don't know if they'll stop with with the Chiefs' run defense. It, it, it all it takes is a good day for the Cowboys' offense, and and it could they'll pull away. I mean, they're going to have a big point total. Um, well, you know what the you know what the key the key is in this game, right? Tell me, Michael Gallup. Gallup, huh? Because when they the reason why I say that is because now that Gallup's on the other side of Cooper and on the outside, uh-huh. they can put CD Lamb back in the slot. Who's your third corner? Yeah, that's going to be covering CD Lamb. Have a good day. Appreciate you, Chris. CD Lamb is like everybody's nightmare now. Isn't it something how fast he has become? Without question, their their most dynamic weapon can do so many different things. He's something now, and only going to get better. Rolling along with you here on Wednesday in the Bureau. Stay with me. Back with you. Check out this comment from Keith on the uh, Facebook live stream. Keith says, is there any way that Chicken Hawk and Bill could fill in and do the show when you're not there? John Bond would be my first choice, fill in, but old Hawk would be my second. How about that? This, yeah, I did. I missed some the last few weeks traveling. Right? I missed Friday. Well, each of the last two Fridays I missed traveling to road games. No more road games, at least not until there is a potential bowl game pops up somewhere. So um, I'm here. I'm here pretty much. So that would be the Bill and Hawk show or the Hawk and Bill show. Hawk and Bill? Hawk and Bill. <laughs> it's got a nice little ring to it. Yeah, kind of. I think it would work. Uh, here on the Country Please and text line, Jonathan texted and he's talking about the film study video. It's a long one, by the way, because it's like 40, 50 minutes long because you get first half plays, second half plays. It's on the YouTube channel. Let's look up Matt Wyatt Media. Jonathan says, I spent about 25 minutes this morning watching your breakdown, but I'm not going to lie. I skipped right to the second half. Didn't need to see anything from the first half again. That first half was painful for state fans, <laughs> just like the second half was painful for Auburn fans. Squirrel texted the show and says, got my ticket for Tuesday night. Can I sit at your table? <laughs> you can sit anywhere you want to, Squirrel. I don't even know that I have a table. They're going to be standing up the whole time or sitting down? I don't know. I don't know. i got to call JB and talk to him about logistics, but I'm looking forward to it also. Out at Live Oaks on Tuesday night, just – you know, talk some football, maybe watch a few plays together. Beaver sent me a voice message. If I can remember it, I'll play it for you all later in the show. But he sent me a voice message last night, and he was bemoaning the fact that this thing's going on Tuesday night at Live Oaks, and I had not called him personally yet to invite him. He was kind of upset with that. <laughs> Sorry, Beav. You won't like it when Beaver gets mad. Uh, that's what I hear. But... uh 
He also told me a hilarious story about getting sucked into a Hallmark Channel movie the other day. Uh, I need to see if I've got Beaver's blessing to share that on the air first. <laughs> I just don't somehow see him watching a Hallmark Channel movie. Well, if you can hear what he said, you'd understand. I, I'll give you the details later. It's great. He's going to be here in a few minutes. I may have to. We'll have to get him in here. Yes. Well, and let me know. Yeah, if you can get him in there, let me know, and I'll ask him about it on the air. All right. Um, so right now, a few texts. i got some audio for you right now. And then Matt Stinchcomb. We're going to talk with Matt Stinchcomb of ESPN coming up uh, in about 15 minutes from right now. We'll see when Beaver pops up. Joe says uh, he's an LSU fan. Several Tigers on the team talking about the Chiefs, but if they play for Dallas, I'm still pulling for the Chiefs. I'm a team guy. Chiefs 35, Cowboys 24. What a prediction right there. Um, somebody said the year that Mark Ingram won the Heisman, his stats were almost identical to Anthony Dixon's. Uh, Jason in Flagstaff says, if you get a chance and maybe want to, he said, I'd just about pay for one of your film studies on Georgia's DBs. It's been a long time since I've seen a universal lockdown team secondary like I've seen from Georgia in three games this year against Kentucky, Florida, and Tennessee. Yeah, and you know, none of those juggernauts on offense, but Tennessee, they get up and down the field, and they've hit some big plays too. Uh, and then True Maroon says, everyone assuming Ole Miss will beat Vandy. Yeah, and let me tell you, True Maroon, that is a safe assumption. Um, Vanderbilt's awful. Just awful. And that's what I say, like, you know, State beat them by, what was it, 39, 49, what was it, 39 points, 40 points, whatever they beat them by. And if State had played well, they should have beat them by 50. I mean, Vandy's awful. Uh, so you can assume that one. You can go right ahead and assume that one. <laughs> so on that note, here is a little Lane Kiffin. Not This is the actual Lane Kiffin uh, press conference that happened sometime in the last 24, 48 hours. He's coming off the weekend, went over Texas A&M, and looking ahead to Vanderbilt. A little bit of the Lane Kiffin press conference. Here you go. Recapping the weekend, great weekend, um, awesome win. Uh, very excited for our players, fans. Um, very defensive-led win by dominant defensive performance. Offense moved the ball well a lot of times, but you know a lot of mistakes in the red zone and little ones that were big ones. You know, one guy here, one guy there missing an assignment, <clears throat> or the game's completely different. So our defense rose to the occasion, scored twice on defense. Um, you know, as usual, we kind of overplayed our players where. A lot of our defense outside of a few D linemen played every snap. Um, you know, I think the temperature of night game and you know their tempo on offense helped us allow us to do that. Um, but got to commend those guys for you know playing great on defense the way that we did. Hey Lane, there were a couple of games earlier in the season where the defense really struggled, and I mean they've put together like five straight weeks now where they've been pretty formidable. In your mind, was there something that sparked that, or was there a moment where things started to change you can put your finger on? Well, <clears throat> we're glad we don't play tempo offenses. <laughs> it kind of helps, um, you know, if you look at statistically. But I think Springer's been a big part. It's crazy for one player, but, you know, if you look at the games and even the second half versus the first half, he's out. has been a big part of it, but... You know, we've 
done what you're supposed to do. We limit explosive plays and we get get turnovers. With um, the senior night ceremony this week, you got a, obviously two classes of seniors in there. How do you handle that? Do you just let anyone who wants to participate participate, or you limit it to the fifth year guys? Just how do you kind of handle that? Yeah, you're ahead of me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm trying I, to make some yeah. So some I guess plays that work in the red zone. So. <laughs> Um, we'll have more. I'll bring up John Miller for that or something for you. I, I guess to rephrase, are you starting to have the conversations with some of those guys who can come back yet, or is it too early for that? We don't have those uh, till the end of the year. <clears throat> right after the last game, regular season game, we meet with those guys. You know, we get their grades back. So, um, you know, I, I don't know that. All right, a little bit of Lane Kiffin from his press conference. Uh, we'll get some more of that later. Here's a. Uh, the the early portion of Mike Leach's press conference uh, a couple of days ago, coming out of the weekend and looking ahead to Tennessee State. Um, I think. Uh, the and, and let me thing. pause it right here. He is talking about the improvement of Will Rogers right off the bat here. I mean, he's dedicated and all that, does all the work and things like that. I think uh, one thing. So I think he's got a little improvement himself, but I think that uh, we're protecting better. I think the receivers are, uh, you know, and more in tune with him. I think we're. We've improved in other phases, which I think uh, makes him look like he's improved, which he has. But I think utilizing the weapons around a quarterback is the single most important thing they do. And so I think that um, <clears throat> he's better at doing that. Coach, Jameer Calvin had two touchdown receptions this weekend. That's his first since the very first game of the season. What improvements have you seen from him? Uh, he's been a steady guy. I think sometimes the ball, you know, just finds you at certain times, certain places. But he's been steady. I thought uh, coming into camp, he's been really good as far as um, uh, kind of an example to the others because he'd caught a lot of balls and he'd uh, been in a lot of uh, <clears throat> uh, games. And so, um, yeah, so he's very poised, especially that one he caught, which was awfully tough to catch, which was behind him, and he just kind of airborne and caught it and had to come off really quick. Otherwise, that guy was going to tip it. Um, but uh, I, I think when I think of Calvin, I just think of a steady guy that I also think uh, some of the younger players have followed. Coach, now that you've had time to watch film of the Auburn game in the, in the second half, any adjustments that you saw defensively where things changed or was just a, a matter of the way the guys were playing to be able to shut Auburn down? Us defensively? <laughs> well, we were right there the first half, I thought. Um, I thought we got better on third down. Um, you know, it's like everything was just sort of a, a, a foot or two away the first half. We just didn't react very quick. I thought Biggest thing we lined up and uh, came out of our stances rather than, you know, we're kind of the confused guys with a certain amount of doubt, you know. All right, that's a little bit of Mike Leach. We'll come back and hear some more. He uh, talked about uh, his relationship with uh, Lane Kiffin and a few of those things, and we'll get to that a little bit later. You ever notice, and, and I wonder why this happens, but it happens a lot, and maybe it's not a big thing. You ever notice in a press conference like that, a lot of people that ask questions of the coaches, they have to make a statement first. You notice that? Bill, have you noticed that? Yeah, I don't know why they do that. Just ask the question. I mean, that's really what we, we're saying here, isn't it? It's just ask the question. It's like, hey, coach, um, Matt 
did this last week. And the week before that, he didn't have any, you know, catches. And then the week before that, he had a touchdown. And this week, he caught a touchdown. It's the first time he has since then. Uh, what do you think about his improvement? I mean, <laughs> I mean, why we got to make a statement before the question? And they usually bring up the bad stuff. <laughs> yeah. That happened before. <clears throat> just ask me the question. Yeah, I mean, you, you can just go, hey, coach, <clears throat> what do you think about uh, Will Rogers' improvement? And <laughs> just let him go. How about that defense <laughs> in the second half? And I'm sure I'd do it too. You know, like we're going to do interviews here, and I'm sure I'll have some long winded lead in to a question at some point for one of these guys. I'll shut you down. Yeah, why do we do that? I need, I don't need to say why do they do that. I need to say why do we do that. Why do we feel like we need to make a statement that this is an obvious statement when all I need to do really is just ask the guy a question and get out of the way? All right. That wraps it up for Hour 1 on this hump day. It flew by. Coming up, we'll talk with Matt Stinchcomb of ESPN and the SEC Network. Later today, we'll check in with Jim Dunaway from over in Birmingham. He's with the guys at the next round. Y'all need to check that out. And then, of course, in between, your phone calls, your texts, your comments, all of that coming up in Hour number 2. I'm Matt in the Bureau. Stay with me. Hi, right, here we go. Hour number two of the show, off and running with you. I'm Matt in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team coming up in a minute or two. If everything goes according to plan, we'll have Matt Stinch come on the phone, talk a little college football with him. You know, you're an hour in. <laughs> and I just got a text from a buddy that is asking me about the new college football playoff rankings. <laughs> uh, and I giggle because I'm an hour into the show here on Wednesday after the new college football playoff rankings were put out last night. And Dad Gummit, it's the first time I think I realized <laughs> that the new college football playoff rankings came out last night. I'm just telling you, it's the farthest thing from my mind. And last night we had a lot going on and running around and ballet practice. Not for me, but I was the chauffeur and driving to and picking up from ballet and Champ, the Wonder Schnauzer's been a little under the weather, but he's doing better. So we've just had a lot of other things go- going on, okay? And I missed that last night. So <laughs> oh, and the other thing was, yeah, I spent all my time last night making sure I've you know, got that video finished that is about a... Shoot, what is it? It's about a 30 plays, 28, 30-play film study video on the Mississippi State and Auburn game. And I got it posted last night. But it took a while to kind of get all that done. And when I did, I, anyway, that's my sort of excuse here. That's my excuse. Now, if you want to be a part of the show, I hope you will be. Uh, you can call me on the mini phone, 995-1059. It's a 601 number. Or text me on the country, please, and text line, 885-ESPN. It's a 601 number also. 
885-ESPN or 885-3776. You can also comment on the live stream. Just drop a comment there on Facebook or Twitch if you're tuned in any of those places. Uh, Chuck on Facebook says, Speaking of senior day, is it hard for players to refocus after the pregame ceremony? And would it be better to have that this week instead of before the Ole Miss game? Yeah, you want my opinion? Um, my opinion is that, yeah, it ought to be um, this week instead of the last game. I think it is potentially a distraction that you could very easily avoid. You could. Nobody says that you have to have senior day on the last one. Do they? I mean, like, you don't have to. I get why you do. You have senior day because it's the last time that those seniors are going to run out there for a ball game on that field. I get it. But uh, you could have it the week before. It's that, you know, not every year is senior day. Not, not every year are you finishing with two straight home games like this one which gives you the opportunity to do it. I'd say it'd just be one distraction you could remove before that last ball game. Not that it is for everybody. It's pretty cool. I do vaguely remember it. They lined us. It seemed like they, seemed like they bring us out one at a time and, and then your family's there waiting on you and you have, they give you some flowers to give to your mom. Um, or a significant person, you know, in your life there. Um, whoever that is uh, for me, uh, my mom, dad were, and sister were standing out there. And so you give them flowers and then you go in and get ready to play. And I don't remember uh, like, you know, for me, but I wasn't a, at that time I wasn't starting that game. Right. So it wouldn't that matter if it was a distraction or not, but I could see how it could be. It certainly makes the pregame different. I know that because there's this, there's this big buildup to it. Uh, yeah, I'm saying to the game, you know, especially uh, when your last game like that is a is a rivalry game. The year that you host that rivalry game, it's this big build up to kick off, you know. So I don't know. It, it's probably not that big a deal, but I would actually say, Chuck, if you just want my honest opinion, that if you could have it, if you could have Senior Day this week, I would say go ahead and do it. That's just me. Just one man's opinion. As a matter of fact, that's about all this show is, right? Just about one man's opinion. Of course, I appreciate you sending yours in as well. Lots of texts on the text line. We'll get to those. Um, if you're hanging on the phone line, uh, you might give us a call back. Another time we've got a guest we're going to jump on with right now on the Divinity Equipment phone, and appreciate the feedback so far. Let's get into it right now. Over here on the Divinity Equipment phone line, Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson, he is a... Former first-round draft pick out of Georgia, big offensive lineman. He's in the College Football Hall of Fame and uh, played in the NFL for a number of years. And now you see him and hear him on the weekends on television broadcasts on the SEC Network and and other ESPN outlets. And so fortunate enough to get catch up with Matt Stinchcomb on your radio right now on Twitter. He is at mstinch79. Give him a follow if you haven't already. Matt, a good Wednesday to you, man. What's up? 
Man, I'm just so fired up about this season. Yeah. The uh, SEC West has been such a fantastic circus to watch this year, hasn't it? <laughs> I mean, it really has. You know, and the, the East is kind of nailed down now. Your, your homeboys over there in Athens have done a number on the Eastern Division. You know, I, it's uh, yeah. kind of a foregone conclusion. Is that okay to say since we don't play anymore? Yeah, I think so. That's right. It is okay to say that. We don't have to worry about hedging around and talk coachy. Right. But, uh, yeah, they've had it locked up. How many weeks? They've had it hemmed up, I think, for two weeks, maybe. Yeah, right. Um, East Division race, and it is kind of getting to be uh, – although, I mean, you know, Florida stuck their head up last year and did something. And of course, they uh, – mm-hmm. boy, that, things have changed in Gainesville, that's mm-hmm. for certain. So, Georgia looks like they're poised to, to uh, put that thing in a stranglehold for a little while, at least until we – reconfigure the whole conference right maybe sure. even lose divisions altogether <laughs> right which may be sooner than later also matt stinchcomb of sec network espn on your radio uh right now so yeah you know it, the the west i guess you could say is you know it's had um it's a fair share of you know interesting moments and we still have a couple of weeks left but i'm looking this weekend at arkansas and alabama and they're going to play at 2 30 this weekend um what do you think about that matchup? You know, I think if I'm Arkansas, I, I say, look, I want you all to try to beat us at the line of scrimmage. This it, is kind of opposite, right, of what you often hear from teams as well. We, you know, we gotta, we gotta come in and make sure we stop the run first. Uh, you know, I don't know that that's a, a winning proposition for mm-hmm. Arkansas. You know, it's a, it's a secondary that, does not hold up great in man, although they pretty much lived in it this past week and versus LSU, and it worked out. But um, I don't know that that's a winning proposition versus Alabama and this quarterback. And, and frankly, I think that kind of plays to what it is. It's, I don't know if it's what they should be offensively, but it's certainly what seems to be their comfort zone. And, and what hasn't been, and what I don't even want to call it a change-up pitch, really, mm-hmm. um, has been a run of the football in Alabama. And so, if anything, I think – for the first time in a long while, the way to make Alabama play left-handed is to say, well, I think we're going to see if y'all can run the football consistently against us. Mm-hmm. And knowing, you know, they lost Roydell Williams, who's their top backup running back uh, for what looks like, you know, who knows for how long, but certainly for this ball game. I don't know how keen they would be on getting that ground game going. So the whole idea, if I'm not saying – you know, rush three, drop eight, and all that business that we've heard about so much the past two years. That's mm-hmm. that in it. Um, but I do think that uh, perhaps you give them a couple of even numbers or even light boxes, so to speak, number of defenders in the box from the tackle to the tackle, and just say, you know what, we'll we'll take our chances. We'll spin a safety down late. Maybe we'll bring help from the boundary if we need to. Um, but let's see if y'all will even be patient enough to consistently run the ball against us. Because uh, we sure don't want to lose fast. And Alabama can beat you fast down the field. Uh, we have seen that. That Jamison Williams kid, mm-hmm. uh, Charles Metzley as well, but Jamison Williams especially, the transfer from Ohio State, he's going to get behind a lot of secondaries this year. Matt, um, this is not a setup. I I really am you know, curious to, to see how you would answer this. Do you feel like Alabama – that sounds like a setup. Yeah, well, I, yeah, it's an unbelievable preface. Isn't it? I'm not setting you up, but hold on to your hat. Here it comes. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, it's just, do you think, 
that Alabama has just not looked like some of these great Alabama teams that Nick Saban has had? Or are we still waiting for them to look like one of those teams? Or am I just missing it? No, no, I, I agree. You know, I think that's a more than a fair assessment is that, look, you know, who would know that better than folks that follow Alabama real closely is, you know, does this team look the same as some of the other teams? It doesn't. Hmm. Not, not if you're even halfway paying attention. Is that to say that this is some sorry group of players <laughs> and this program's in disarray and the dynasty's in decline and all the other baloney? Far from it. Nobody's saying that. I mean, it really is it, but relative to the teams that we've seen from Alabama before – this team isn't the same. I mean, they have, I think, right now, and, and I say this really without qualification, I think they've got the best college football player at any position on their defense uh, in Will Anderson. I'm, I'm convinced of that now. Um, and I know that people will say, you know, that he won't impact the game as much as a quarterback. Well, of course not. However, if I'm picking a player that's dominant, just outright dominant, and the best at what he does, and what he does is pretty versatile, um, then it's Will Anderson. And I don't think we'll see him in New York because uh, the Heisman Trophy is a farce. But he's the best college football player this year. They've got him over there. But then after that, they've got good players. But it's not littered with these guys that are going to play on Sunday, that are going to be first-day starters and high tra- draft picks like it has been. So relative to the Alabama teams we've seen before, is this one different? Yeah, and it's different, I think, largely in that regard, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still a really, really good football team. I think the rankings currently got it right. I mean, right now, mm-hmm. what's your signature victory for Alabama? Ole Miss, I guess. I guess. Of course, I can make the same argument for Georgia. What's your signature victory? But they're undefeated in Alabama. It. Mm-hmm. So right now, I do think really good football team. But relative to what we've seen before and the level of dominance they've demonstrated, either defensively or offensively last year, no. I mean, this team isn't what we have seen in the past. It's still plenty good enough to contend for being the best team in the country. So based on that, if we were to continue to play the you know, play the game, maybe have a little hypothetical, if Georgia and Alabama were playing each other this weekend, what do you think would happen? How do you think that would go? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Georgia would win by 10, maybe 13. Um, and I say that because, you know, you look at the difficulties that they have experienced uh, offensively, and, you know, be it procedurally mm-hmm. or even, you know, two weeks ago versus an LSU defense um, that has been okay, um, but is far from dominant. Their best players aren't playing any longer. Uh, and yet uh, LSU gave Alabama fits on third down and uh, eliminated the run game almost entirely with, with far inferior personnel. Um, now, part of that, I think, is just the growing pain uh, that you're going to experience with an in, almost an entirely new offensive battery, meaning offensive coaches and quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just uh, part of the fact. But also, too, um, they experienced injury uh, at center, about seven plays in versus LSU. Um, you know, Dalcourt gets back in there. That changes things a little bit. You know, J- Javion Cohen, I think, uh, injured his wrist if he broke it or something. Uh, I don't know that he's playing this week versus Arkansas, and if so, they're going to have to brace that joker up pretty heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, you got a new face in there at right tackle. I mean, all those are things that you're going, I don't know, that can be that can be pretty disruptive, um, to say the least. I think this is a good Alabama offense, 
but I think and I think Alabama's offense, you know, could be perceived as better uh, than Georgia's in some ways. However, um, Georgia's defense, I think, is much better than any other unit that will be in that game. Uh, I do think that they are an outlier in how good that unit is um, across the entire landscape. I mean, I think they are that other um, than just about any of their peers on that side of the ball. Mm -hmm. Matt Stinchcomb on your radio right now, SEC Network and ESPN college football analyst, former first-round draft pick out of Georgia, the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, Matt, what do you make of the air raid offense and Mike Leach in year two after this most recent outing where they go score 40 unanswered points at Auburn this past weekend. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, we saw them, gosh. Is Vandy? weeks ago was it now? About three weeks ago, Yeah, maybe? versus Vandy. Yeah. That's what it was. I think, yeah, just shy of a month ago, right? And, you know, it's, um, I will say that, first of all, the kid at, at quarterback, is having like an out of body experience the past couple of weeks, it seems like, where um, it's just, what, what do you have, two incompletions in the second half this past week or something like that? Right. And one of them was like a screen pass, I want to say. It's just, he's just, he's playing lights out. Mm-hmm. Uh, he might have his eyes closed half the time. He's just feeling it, right? Mm-hmm. I do think that their ability to protect better this year relative to what we saw a season ago is was pivotal. Um, and it, it defrays some of that defensive strategy that says that you know, I don't think I'm forfeiting that much if I'm only bringing three or four. Uh, you know, now this year it demands um, the ball comes out quickly. He's an excellent decision maker. It's coming out accurately. He's opportunistic enough with his legs. All those things. If I want to affect the passer, I'm going to have to borrow. Mm-hmm. And it does. He looks like a year two quarterback in a Mike Leach offense. So it's been fun to watch. Frankly, some people are like, oh my gosh. You know, like watching an option offense. I like watching option offenses too. Something that's a little bit different. This was different. Yeah. You know, the way they involve the running backs in the passing game. It's just, uh, it's proven to be that, uh, that, uh, curveball, that change up that can actually persist. Uh, and he's been able to do that. And you catch the right players in that system. I don't know that consistently they'll always have it. I think they'll be competitive pretty consistently. But every once in a while, you're going to catch a nice run where you start contending for division titles. And we're not for some weird performances, and there's no other way for me to describe it, I guess. Mm. Inconsistent, I guess, from a really young roster, which that's what you really point to, right? I mean, if you look at 2022, people better be looking long and hard at Mississippi State next year, just given the number of guys that they're going to have. Um, it's a it's a fun program to watch right now, and I think he's done a darn good job in short order, kind of invigorating that program. Mm-hmm. And then in a couple of weeks, again we can look ahead. We can do that. We're not in the locker room, you know. Yeah. Ole Miss going to play right. Vandy this week. State's going to play Tennessee State, and then a couple of weeks Thanksgiving night it's the Egg Bowl. Ole Miss and Mississippi yeah. State. What do you, what jumps out at you when you look at that matchup, Matt? Ah man, well. <laughs> Two weeks from now, let me let me yeah. let me act as if I've given it a ton of thought. <laughs> you know, you'll have. I will say, um, you know, Ole Miss has been better along the lines of scrimmage this year. Mm. Uh, I don't feel like they're great. You know, you know the Williams kid, 
um, is was a, a productive player for him. Um, but is it uh, is it to the point where you know that they consistently lean on it? I, I don't know. I don't know that I would say that. Pretty good run game, like an actual handed off run game. Right. Uh, even though State will do that from time to time. The, the fun part in that game, I think, to, to me, is the quarterback matchup. They never take the field at the same time. I know we put a lot of emphasis on it. But you're talking about a guy who I think, if he stayed healthy, would probably be uh, on the leading edge of that Heisman uh, race at Matt Corral. And, and the other side, with probably the most underappreciated player in the conference, I think I could say that and not be overstating things too terribly much uh, in Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Um, so that could be, I think that's a lot of fun. You know, I, I do like the state defense. That's one that, especially earlier on in the season, I thought maybe this year it's getting overlooked a little bit. Um, and Lord knows that they've had an opportunity to figure out and be thinking about what it would take to defend an offense that's uh, led by a guy like Corral, who, if he's healthy, when he's healthy, is maybe the best dual threat quarterback in this conference. I mean, I, I don't know who else I'd, I'd put up there that's nearly as productive and can do it um, in both phases, running past. So it's, it might be one of the more intriguing egg bowls, and depending on how the next couple of you know uh, weeks play out the rest of the way in the West, um, that might be might be the game, the, the best game of that week, period, mm-hmm. in the conference. Mm-hmm. Really interesting. Well, Matt, it's always great to catch up with you. The time goes by quickly, which means we enjoy getting to hear you talk and hear your thoughts. We don't do it a lot, but really do appreciate you coming on. Hey, are you got an assignment this weekend? You headed to a game? Yeah, I'm going to an exhibition. It's Kentucky, New Mexico State. I get to see them two weeks in a row, the Aggies at New Mexico State. We'll see if they can gird themselves up a little bit better versus an SEC opponent this time around. There you go. Attaboy. Well, we know um, it, it might be c- kind of chilly and some there may be some leaves changing up in Kentucky. I guess in Lexington, though, maybe the, the leaves have already fallen this time of year. Uh, they're starting oh, to... We're going to find out. I don't know. I'll be, I'll be interested to see. I'll, I'll tell you firsthand in a couple of days. Yeah, let me know. Matt, I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Thanks for having me, brother. Yeah, absolutely. That's Matt Stinchcomb, former first-round pick out of the University of Georgia. Played in the NFL. Now he's an analyst on ESPN and the SEC Network. You can follow him on Twitter at mstench79. I suggest you do it if you don't. I do. I don't follow a lot of people on Twitter, but I follow him. Good old Matt. You know, he's one of these offensive linemen who they were big and burly and muscular and big old head and neck and everything while they were playing, and then they quit playing and they skinny up. Lose a, lose a couple hundred pounds, you know? Like a normal person. <laughs> I guess that's the way it goes. <clears throat> Not for all of us. <laughs> Some of us go the other way. I enjoyed that conversation. What y'all think about what Matt thinks about the Egg Bowl? About Alabama, Georgia, and Arkansas? We'll get your thoughts coming up right after this in the Bureau of the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Stick around. Back with you. Enjoyed the conversation with Matt Stinchcomb of the uh, SEC Network and ESPN. Former first-round pick of the Raiders out of Georgia back in the late 90s. Great guy. Does a really fine job on television calling games, keeping up with the league. 
You know, we don't do a ton of interviews on this show, but we got some today. Looking forward to talking to Jim Dunaway, my buddy from uh, the next round, the digital sports platform that's taken over in the state of Alabama. Uh, we'll talk to Jim, kind of get an Auburn reaction, what it's like in the state of Alabama this week, and of course looking ahead to Alabama and Arkansas, biggest game in this weekend anyway in the SEC. So that'll all be coming up. But now this was mentioned a, a little bit ago. Uh, I was reminded because Squirrel texted the show and he said, I've got my ticket for Tuesday night. Can I sit at your table? And my response was, you can sit wherever you want. I don't even know if I have a table. He's talking about this coming Tuesday night at Live Oaks uh, there in Jackson where we're going to have a an event on Tuesday night, and they, they're they calling it Egg Bowl Analytics. We're just going to watch some film together, talk a little football, eat some food, and and um, and I'll be there for that and kind of in on that. And I get a message on my phone last night from the one and only Beaver. It's a voice message. And he was not very happy that he had to hear about this from someone else. <laughs> and he didn't hear about it from me. And and now gracing us with his presence is that man that we call Beaver, who has come and has stepped into the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Hey, Beaver. Hey, Matt Wyatt. <laughs> How you doing? I'm all right. I've uh, well, I'm better than I'm better than yesterday. Better, feeling better I've now. I've accepted your explanation. Right. I think I kind of feel like you came to the station early just to get in on the Thanksgiving get together today. I I used the excuse that I wasn't invited. <laughs> <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Well, listen on the thing next week on Tuesday night. So you left me a. I've noticed something about you, Beaver, that is curious to me. And I wonder if you do this with everybody. It seems you would rather send me a voice message where you just speak your message than to actually type it out in a text. Is is that accurate? Well, I had a lot to say. <laughs> the, the way too much to type. Because I told you the message started with, you know, Matt Wyatt, as a former quarterback, you understand physical pain. You take the hits, the hits pile up. But let me tell you about emotional pain, mm -hmm. and that is having to learn from just someone completely random mm -hmm. that your event's going on instead of hearing it from you. So okay. I, I had a lot to get to. I had a lot of points to make, a lot of emphasis to put on certain <laughs> points. Uh-huh. Shows you how much he pays attention to the commercial we run on. <laughs> that's only been running for like a month and a half. Well, but see, I don't know that <laughs> – the, I took Beaver's message as it wasn't so much he had an issue with th that this event was happening. The issue was that he's having to hear it from other places and not from me. That's true. It was his issue. But I explained to him, Beaver, I told you, in a, I sent you a voice message back, which I will say you're the only person on planet Earth who gets voice messages from me, and I just return them since that's what you send to me. <laughs> But I just sent one back to Beaver and said, you know, I, I didn't plan the event. Okay, so I, my man JB, Jables, Dr. Brojo, what are his other nicknames? Let's see, Jables, Dr. Brojo, JB. Anyway, uh, he's out there at Live Oaks now. And so he's planning all this. He, he did all the work, put it all together. And, and uh, so 
I guess that's why I didn't just call you up and invite you. But, Beaver, I would like to extend an official invitation for you that if you are available on Tuesday night <laughs> to attend this function at Live Oaks with me, Egg Bowl Analytics, for which tickets are still available, I would like to extend an invitation for you to attend the event as my guest, if you're available. Well, now let me give full disclosure here. <laughs> because last night when you responded, okay... <laughs> Let's, let me let me tell you what Matt Wyatt says to me. You did. You say, well, you can come as my special guest. But then you said, yeah, my special guest, you can you know, carry things for me and maybe oh, set gosh. some stuff up. A roadie. Exactly, Bill. <laughs> set up his equipment. He needs a helper. <laughs> That's, that is not really what I meant. But I... I just thought, you know, I've got to carry this stuff in. Maybe I may have to run a cable or two and hook it up to a computer. You know, I just thought, you know, I could use a hand. <laughs> well, we got a texture from Moore Broly that says that Beaver sends out voice messages all the time, but usually he's singing. Oh, yeah. He sings. He does that. Did he sing songs. yours? No, he, he didn't. His, did you mean? He didn't sing mine. Okay. But this is the real reason I wanted to get Beaver, get you in here and go over here this. We go. Is because the next one you sent me, I thought was doggone hilarious, and and I want to set you, I, the only thing I can do is set you up as you said. Okay, I'll accept your explanation, but I got to tell you, you said Matt Wyatt, and then you went into this story about a Hallmark movie that sort of pulled you in, and you wound up watching it. Mm-hmm. All right, so what was this movie on the Hallmark Channel? Okay, so I don't remember the name of it, but the backstory, why I told you about this, is you'll remember this. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in October, before Halloween, and I was filling in for Bill one day, and you were on, and your wife was on, mm-hmm. and y'all were talking about, y'all been watching Hallmark movies, and I says to you, I says, I can't allow that before Halloween. <laughs> right. So, okay, fast forward to last week which is still not acceptable in my time frame, but I got sucked in by a Hallmark movie because I got home. My TV was already on Hallmark. So when I turned it on, literally, Matt, the first thing I saw was Lyle Lovett standing in a... Yeah, Lyle Lovett, of all people, feels like, what? Lyle Lovett in a horrible Christmas sweater. He's standing... (laughs) on a porch talking to Harry Connick Jr. So immediately I'm curious. Whoa. And I love it is saying, I'm not going to get into your past. And Harry Connick looks at it, bends over and looks at him and super serial says, well, then don't. And I was sucked in at that moment. I was like, why is there beef between Lyle Lovett and Harry Connick? Couldn't be the hair. <laughs> so then it continues, though. This is why it sucked me in, because I said, okay, I, I'm going to take a look at this for a couple minutes. Well, then it switches to an old man and his grandson in the yard talking. Well, that old man was Chris Christopherson. So okay. I'm like, what is happening here? <laughs> then I see, like, I, I, I'm in it now. Okay, I'm in it. So like five minutes later, there's a scene in a local bar, and there's Willie Nelson. Okay. <laughs> Willie Nelson this is like a, a movie, Hallmark a musical movie. theme thing. Here. Yeah. <laughs> it's a musical. So so I was sucked in at this point. Now, I'll tell you right now, 
When I say sucked in, I mean I lo- I watched the last hour and 40 minutes oh of this. <laughs> and what had happened was, this is what it all came down to, and this was the best part. So the description of the movie on the guide said, a mysterious stranger comes to town. Well, that mysterious stranger was Willie Nelson. Willie. It was Willie. Mm-hmm. Now, at the end, it all pieced together in the most ridiculous way possible <laughs> because they're all out. Harry Connick Jr. is back in the Christmas spirit after hating Christmas for so long. Willie's the one that talked him into it. See Willie out there in a motorcycle vest. He turns around, and the camera pans in to the back of his vest, and it's airbrushed. Angel wings. Oh, there's the, <laughs> oh, there you go. It's all together. <laughs> Willie Nelson, an angel, an angel, <laughs> sent to Earth to get Harry Connick Jr. back in the Christmas spirit. If you're gonna cast an angel, <laughs> apparently Willie Nelson's the best choice. <laughs> Maybe he produced the movie. Oh, I'm talking about. Listen, Whoa. it's like a. I mean, it's the Hallmark version of, like, Cannonball Run with all these stars in it, right? Like, you turn around as Harry Connick Jr., Lyle Lovett, Chris Christopherson, and, oh, by the way, <laughs> Willie Nelson is a spirit. An Willie Nelson is a spirit. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, Matt Wyatt, it was actually a good movie. I enjoyed it. Yeah, well, Once look, stuck around. look, an hour and 45 minutes later, it better be a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> that is fantastic, Bieber. I, I mean, when I'm listening to this on the couch yesterday, you sent me this voice message, and I hear your voice going, Lyle Lovett says to Harry Connick Jr., not going to go into your past, but... and." Very seriously, Harry Connick looks him right in the eyeballs and says, well, then don't. <laughs> well, look, you had me there. You got Go me. You got me wanting to look up Willie Nelson Angel movie here. <laughs> Good uh, gracious. My question is, are you going to watch any more of those Hallmark Channel movies there? Uh, oh. Me? Yeah, I'll, I'll admit. Hey. I've uh, I've switched it back there a couple times. Well, you can't miss the them. They're, up. They're on every day, hey, all day long. Yep. Y'all, on a serious note, you know what I'm gonna about to do? So, do do y'all do the uh, cord? Have you done the cord cutting, or do you still have dish or cable? I uh, still have cable. You I have, have dish. So you've I, got, have, uh, I have a direct TV. Okay, so one satellite, one cable. I did the cord cutting thing recently, and and we had so for the last ever how many months, our television comes through Hulu and Hulu Live and Sling. Okay, so we have an account for either one. So we're kind of paying double because Hulu didn't have. The Hallmark Channel. Okay, so we get Sling to have the Hallmark Channel because the Homecoming Queen has to have the Hallmark Channel. But get this. Within the last week or two, there's been an announcement. YouTube TV has added the Hallmark Channel. And so YouTube TV has it, Hallmark Channel. It has all the ESPNs and the SEC Network and stuff. And it has, like, the NFL Network plus your local networks. So I think the Wyatts are about to get, you know switch from two streaming services just to one we're going to go over to YouTube TV but it's all because of the Hallmark Channel pretty Mm -hmm. soon Beaver's going to be that way Beaver good story man thank you (laughs) thanks man Hallmark Channel all day long for Beaver that's it and in all seriousness if you can make it love to see you Tuesday night over at Live Oaks man come see us I won't make you carry one single solitary piece of equipment 
I might he's ask waiting, you He's waiting to, to see that. Yeah, he's he's going to ask you. I was going to say, he's going to ask you, though. I'm not going to tell you to do anything. <laughs> Good stuff. All right, rolling along with y'all here in Hour 2 on this Wednesday in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio, Farm Bureau. Go with the home team. Stick around. So I've been alerted here to somebody that knows, by somebody that knows, uh, that the movie on Hallmark Channel that Beaver was describing with Willie Nelson is called Angels Sing. That's what it's called, Angels Sing. Hey, Bill, I told you, every time I hear the name Willie Nelson, now I think about this. No, I like Willie Nelson. He's got long hair. He's alternative. Now you take that back. Thank you, Hank. Oh, Hank Hill. Now you take that back. Take that back. An F in English? An F in English? Bobby, you speak English. Hank. (laughs) That's good. was just about to say something there. She was getting on him. Hank. She was going to get on Hank. Mm-hmm. Hey, what a stinky weekend of ball games this is. <laughs> oh, have it's going to be bad this weekend. Golly, have you looked at this schedule for the SEC? <clears throat> this is pitiful. Pitiful. And the whole league is doing this because everybody wanted to copy Alabama, and that's play a cupcake before you play your last game or your rivalry game. All right? So this is what we get. Good Lord. We get Georgia hosting Charleston Southern. (laughs) Huh? Yeah. We get Mississippi State hosting Tennessee State. We get Kentucky hosting New Mexico State. Of course, Alabama, Arkansas. We'll take it. Absolutely, we will take it. Switched around on them. That's the best one so far. Yeah, we can't blame this on Alabama because this year they're playing Arkansas this week on CBS 230. Uh, Florida goes to Missouri. Okay, at least it's, you know. Auburn at South Carolina is a little bit interesting there. Vandy is at Ole Miss in Oxford. Tennessee hosts South Alabama. LSU hosts Louisiana Monroe. I guess this will be the first time that Terry Bowden has coached in Baton Rouge since he was the coach at uh, Auburn. And then Texas A&M is hosting Prairie View A&M. Prairie View, uh a chance to, um, <clears throat> well, this week and next week, a chance to wrap up the Western Division of the SWAC and play against Jackson State in the SWAC title game in a few weeks. Uh, but that's your SEC lineup this weekend. I'm sure there's some other games in the top 25 that are interesting. Um, the NFL weekend is going to be interesting now. You have some great games uh, in the NFL this weekend. Uh, let's see, you're going to have a top 25 team playing on Friday night. Houston on Friday night is going to host Memphis. And then let's see, are there any others? Yeah, okay, so you get 7th-ranked Michigan State at 4th-ranked Ohio State at 11 a.m. on Saturday on ABC. That'll be good. Wake Forest, 10th-ranked, goes to Clemson, 11 a.m. You get Iowa State at Oklahoma. That could go either way. Uh, Georgia Tech is at Notre Dame. Georgia, Georgia Tech's a 3-7 team, by the way. Not, not very good. 
Uh, SMU Cincinnati, you never know. Uh, Nebraska goes to Wisconsin. Michigan's on the road at Maryland. Eh. Now, keep an eye on this. 22nd ranked and undefeated UTSA. Texas San Antonio. They're 10-0, but they're hosting UAB. UAB from Birmingham, Coach Bill Clark. They're 7-3. Keep an eye on that one. Uh, let's see. Syracuse and Garrett Schrader will travel to NC State, who's now ranked 20th. They are 7-3, ranked 20th. Baylor goes to Kansas State. Okay, then the other, next to Michigan State, Ohio State, this is the next most interesting game of the weekend. Uh, outside, and, and then you got Alabama, Arkansas. But third-ranked Oregon is at 23rd-ranked Utah. So there you go. And, and Oklahoma State, they're ninth. They go to Texas Tech. So it's just not a not a tremendous weekend of games. It's really not. We know that the final weekend most likely will be. So there you go. Hey, as promised, I want to flip back over and give you the rest of some of those comments from Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach. Uh, this week in their press conferences. First up, we'll skip ahead to kind of where we left off with Lane Kiffin. Q&A with local media. Here it is. You know, if you look at the games and even the second half versus the first half, he's out. Has been a big part of it, but, you know, I, we've done what you're supposed to do. We limit explosive plays and we get, get turnovers. With um, the senior night ceremony this week, you got a, obviously two classes of seniors in there. How do you handle that? Do you just let anyone who wants to participate participate, or you limit it to the fifth year guys? Just how do you kind of handle that? Yeah, you're ahead of me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm trying I, to make some yeah. So some I guess plays I, that work in the red zone. So um, to, we'll have more. I'll bring up John Miller for that or something for you. I, I guess to rephrase, are you starting to have the conversations with some of those guys who can come back yet, or is it too early for that? We don't have those until uh, the end of the year. <clears throat> right after the last game, regular season game, we meet with those guys. You know, we get their grades back. So, um, you know, I, I don't know that. I guess I'm. We say don't make assumptions. I guess I'm making a pretty safe assumption the quarterback won't be back. Just your thoughts on Vanderbilt. I mean, and uh, I know maybe not you guys, but the fan base looking ahead to Thanksgiving night already. Uh, how do you temper that with your guys, and what do you think about Vandy? Well, all you got to do is look around the country. You know, happens every week. Somebody, there's Texas, Kansas, Florida went to <clears throat> South Carolina. You know, these big number favorites. Um, and it's an SEC game, so... You know, we've had issues with all three phases at some point of the year, you know, so there's no looking ahead. Um, we're excited to be playing at home. You know, <clears throat> to me it should be a challenge to our fans that Texas A&M didn't use a silent count, which is pretty unheard of in this conference to go on the road and use a verbal count. Um, you know, it should be a challenge to our fans to cheer louder. So, um, you know, like I said, senior day and – you know, probably the quarterback's last day. Um, hopefully we show up. Hopefully we show up. Needs a big crowd. How about that? I didn't I didn't know that. But it's an interesting way for a coach to phrase it and to put it out there to sort of motivate his fan base, right, a little bit, and that is Texas A&M goes in there and was able to actually just get on the line of scrimmage and do verbal snap count on the road in the SEC, which is pretty rare, especially now. Um, it's pretty rare. Most are using silent and 
clapping their hands and using silent count and other stuff. Uh, more shotgun and all those kinds of things. All right, um, flip it over. We'll hear the remainder of Mike Leach's uh, press conference from earlier in the week. Getting to the part where you know he's looking ahead, and then he got a question about Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss, even though that's still two games away. Keep your team like not distracted. I guess after that, especially when you play an opponent like uh, Tennessee State coming up right after. I think practice well. You know anything, and I think. Uh, Within the locker room, there's got to be a commitment to practice well. You know, I mean, you know, if if you're fully engaged in practice, then I think that's one of the biggest keys. Now, what's your confidence in uh, Nolan McCord after not just the Saturday, but after you know practice and all that good stuff? Uh, he's progressively getting better. Kicks real well in practice, and you know his day his day's coming. So, yeah. Coach, just talk about your. Have you followed Eddie George's? football career at all and what do you think of him as a coach up there at Tennessee State well I think everybody's followed his career especially on the field um you know as a coach I'm kind of one game at a time and you know it looks like he's definitely doing some good things some good schemes and kind of aggressive and uh you know shoot uh, I'm excited that uh, uh he chose to coach you know <laughs> Yeah, do you guys still plan to have that kicker tryout this week? And, and do you have an update on how many guys you expect out there for it? Uh, we had uh, – I'm trying to – I can get you a number. We had a bunch turn out to try out, and then there's also some are still doing their paperwork. And, you know, we just like to – well, one, open it up to anybody that's a good kicker, but two, we'd like to have a bank of kickers, one to kick drills, and also so we're cultivating and uh, developing the skills of some. And so – uh, how many showed up? Do you recall? Was it forty? That's what I was thinking. We had forty the other day, so you know. And of, and when I've done it in the past, I mean, you know, you'll have uh, over the year maybe a hundred of which you'll keep uh, uh, maybe four. You know, Mike on game day. Lane Kiffin was uh, the guest picker, and he picked y'all to beat Auburn before the game, and then he went on to say that he thinks that you are uh, the best offensive coach in America. I don't know if you heard that or not. What do uh, those comments kind of mean to you, and do you agree with him? Well, he's kind of setting the stage for a really good uh, egg bowl, and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, I'd be lying if I if, if – I, if I told you I didn't think that uh, he thinks he's the best offensive uh, coordinator, so, so uh, it was it was modest of him to say. But uh, you know, and they're doing a fine job this year, so uh, we'll just let the love keep coming both directions. How about that? <laughs> Interesting way to answer it. Let the love keep coming from both directions, and when, you know, and how about that? Um, yeah, so that's a little bit of the Monday uh, press conference from both uh, Kiffin and Leach this week. You know, and, and say what you want, but, you know, there is an element for both coaches with games like this. And I, it's not a knock at Vanderbilt. It's not a knock of Tennessee State. I think it's just kind of looking at reality that, you know, both of those games are going to be expected to go heavily in the direction of Ole Miss and State. Whether they do or not, that's what is expected. And so it's about which group of players handles that the best. Which group of players can do the best job of understanding we got to play a certain way whether we're playing 
Alabama or lower Alabama. It just doesn't matter. And which one is best at going out and doing it. That's really kind of what that's about. A little bit of an advantage for Ole Miss because it is Vandy. It is an SEC team coming in there uh, from a motivational standpoint. Hour three coming up. Stick around. There's a lot of noise when it comes to 5G. We're 5G ready. Farm Bureau Insurance stands ready to provide financial relief to our communities in this time of crisis. This includes a one-time credit to all personal auto policyholders, a donation of 500000 to the Mississippi Food Network, and additional payment options for those hit the hardest, all while continuing to service customer claims as well. But this is the time to go above and beyond. These are a few ways we're keeping the Farm Bureau promise. To learn more, talk to your agent, or visit us online. Go with the home team. After these messages, we'll be right back. This is WRKS Pickens Jackson. Live! Live! In the studio. Live and local. This is the Matt Wyatt Show. Talking about sports from around the world and right here at home. Streaming to you at the zone1059.com and on your radio on ESPN 105.9. The Zone. I'm going to fix a casserole. Hey, here we go. It's the Casserole Hour, hour number three of the show on this Wednesday. Hour three presented by Overstreet Properties. Overstreet Properties in Starkville, Starkville, Stark Vegas, however you want to say it, that's where you want to go. Check it out, overstreetproperties.com. Anything residential in and around Starkville. Place to live permanently if you're moving there. Place to stay temporarily if you come into town for ball games. need a condo that's yours or leasing an apartment. If you're a student, anything residential in Starkville, that's where you want to go. It's Overstreet Properties and OverstreetProperties.com. Feel free to comment. Hit me up there on the live stream if you're on Facebook or Twitch. Also on the Country Pleasing text line, Country Pleasing Sausage on grocery store shelves throughout the Southeast. It is 885-ESPN, 601 number, 885-ESPN or 885-3776. Call me on the Divini phone, 995-1059. Now, in just a few minutes on the Divini phone, we'll get a chance, if everything goes according to plan, to talk with my friend Jim Dunaway from the next round. Great three-man show and media and digital product coming out of the state of Alabama. Uh, they're kind of taking over the the digital content world over in Alabama, doing a great job there. And so we'll talk with uh, Jim in just a few minutes. Let me get him uh, hooked up. Now, I will tell you, earlier, talked with Matt Stinchcomb of the SEC and ESPN. We uh, looked ahead to Alabama and Arkansas this weekend, and, you know, it's the biggest game in the SEC, and there's a bunch of not-so-great games. Uh, lots of teams are kind of, they schedule that de facto off week, and that's not fair to some of the opponents, but that's the kind of the approach. We can say that if we're the fan base on the outside looking in, and that's kind of, uh, the way it is, not a great weekend of games. However, you know we're looking forward to the ones that we have here. We're not really worried about what they think in Georgia or what they are thinking in Kentucky. Around here, you've got Eddie George bringing his Tennessee State team in there to face Mississippi State, and State's got some momentum, feeling good after the comeback win over Auburn this past weekend. Of course, it's an SEC game for Ole Miss now. You know, and rightfully so, Ole Miss. I think I saw is favored by like what thirty-five points. Uh, in the ball game, yeah. So look, it's um, 
is what it is. But it's an SEC game, okay? And it's a home game, and it'll be senior day. And you heard Lane Kiffin talking about that. One of those things where, you know, you hope that people are excited to, um, people are excited to see Matt Corral potentially play. You know, I guess for the last, I mean, it will be for the last time in Vaught Hemingway Stadium, be the last home game of the year. Uh, so, because the only things left to be the Egg Bowl and Stark Bowl, and then uh, bowl destination wherever that is. Um, yeah. So it, it, the other games you got, you got an SEC game: Auburn at South Carolina. Um, you know, so Auburn coming off the loss, but man, you talk about a devastating deal for Auburn last weekend. I, I just felt like if you look at it through their lens, to not only give up, you know, forty unanswered points. And we debated what was more impressive: the forty or the unanswered for Mississippi State. Well, look at it from Auburn's perspective. You know, they've never in the history of their school lost a game when they were leading at one point by twenty-five points. Now they have one of those. You know, nobody had ever thrown six touchdown passes against an Auburn defense. Well, Will, Will Rogers did it. State comes back and wins, and then. Injury to insult, literally. They lose their quarterback, Bo Nix, for the rest of the year. And they've got the Iron Bowl coming up. And for those that don't know, I mean, most of us do know, but like the way you picture the Egg Bowl in this state, and that is, look, your team could be, you know, one in 10. Egg Bowl rolls around, guess what? You're into it. Just win that game, and I'll feel pretty good about stuff. Or say pretty good, better. <laughs> you know, but it's that. There, too. You know, you, that Iron Bowl's coming up, so they're going to be without Bo Nix. They lose their kicker, who was outstanding. ACL injury uh, on a onside kick attempt. So, I mean, it just was an absolute disaster of a day, if you're looking at it from an Auburn perspective, for sure. Let's talk about that perspective and other things from the perspective over in the state of Alabama with a friend of mine from the next round. You'll need to catch that show. You can get the next round app. They used to be on, you know, old-fashioned radio, but now they're taking over the digital content world in the state of Alabama and beyond. The next round and one of the three-man crew, Jim Dunaway, on your radio right now. A chance to talk football with Jim. Hey, Jim, I really do appreciate some time. Did you have a good show today? Uh, we did. We had a good show. We had a chance to talk with Bo Nix. He joins us every week and usually on Monday when he's healthy, um, part of our name, image, and likeness with him, and we got to catch up with him today. And let me tell you, I mean, you, you, everybody's got athletes on their, on their roster, no matter what team you're at, or people at work who just do things the right way. Mm-hmm. That guy who not only met the media after breaking his ankle on Saturday after getting that horrible loss to Mississippi State as an Auburn player, went and sat down and met the media and then had surgery on Monday, but took time on Sunday to call us, our little show, and tell us that he wasn't going to be able to make his slot on Monday because he was going to have surgery. He had surgery Monday, but wanted to reschedule uh, to come on today. So I appreciate guys who who think about others even when their world is not going in the right direction. But it was interesting talking to him today. And, and uh, boy, I'll tell you, Matt, I've seen a lot of football in my 30 years of broadcasting. I've never seen anything like only one other time, and you may remember this, uh, when when LSU was up on Auburn a lot at Jordan-Hare Stadium, and mm-hmm. Curly Hallman was the coach, and they kept throwing interception pick six after pick six and lost the game. Um, the, the, that's number one. Number two was 
was Saturday seeing Mississippi State go on that 40-0 run. Uh, Jim, it's so interesting to hear you bring that up that way because I was the same way, Jim. I, I came away from it going, I just don't think I've seen anything quite like that. I've seen comebacks. I've seen games that shifted momentum, obviously. But, you know, the way I described it, Auburn, in the truest sense of the word, dominated the first 25 minutes of the game. They dominated it. 28-3, yep. they, they did whatever they wanted to do on offense. They limit this air raid for 25 minutes to a field goal, and that's it. Forced a couple of punts. And then it's like the game didn't just shift. It didn't just slowly turn. It's like when it hit 28-3, Mississippi State got the football and then scored on its next six consecutive possessions into the fourth quarter and went on a 40 nothing run. I just... I mean, what has what has been the mood from Auburn fans this week in their reaction on your show and on your social media since that? It that was that was the the air out of the balloon for this team um, because they still had a lot of a uh, lot of things that they dreamed of happening um, with Bo Nix healthy. There was talk of you know you beat Mississippi State, you go on the road, you beat South Carolina, and then you get Alabama at home, and people were already pointing that being the biggest test left from Alabama to keep them out of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And now it's just, you know, not only do you lose the game, a lot of air comes out of the Iron Bowl, but now you've lost your quarterback and your kicker. So it is a, it's, a, it's the air out of the balloon. Air out of the balloon is what we've gotten this week from Auburn fans. And, and I'll tell you, 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 you're in this business long enough, and I always tell myself, Jim, it doesn't do you any good to tweet anything during the game. It only comes back to bite you. Twenty-eight to three, twenty-eight to three, and that game's over, Matt. I mean, there's no way Mississippi State's coming back. I tweet, trying to be funny, boy. I tweet. Uh, I'm sure the Mississippi State place kickers are holding an open tryout for play calling this week at the facility. From that tweet, <laughs> Mississippi State goes on a 40-0 to zero run. And, and, boy, I'm getting tweeted by cold takes or uh, takes that went wrong. I mean, that, there's so many websites out there, Reddit, College Football, Takes Gone Bad. What, there are a thousand of them out there, and I'm headlining. I'm headlining it out there. It was one of those turnaround games. Man. Uh, open the, the social media version of open mouth, insert foot, right? Like, that's... <laughs> That's what that was. That is fan, and I didn't know that happened. But I appreciate you having a good sense of humor about it. Because <laughs> uh, I, oh, I heard from some state fans. I heard from some state fans. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you did. I, I, you and I both know some people in this business in our uh, occupation that would have deleted that quickly and would be really offended if we brought it up. So I appreciate <laughs> your sense of humor on that. That's a good lesson. Hey, do you think? Um, has Bo Nix got more football at Auburn University in him? Uh, you think we see him there again after this? I know I'm asking you to speculate. You know, I no, no, no. You know, I that was on my things to ask him today. I was going to ask that, and and I don't know how you conduct an interview. Um, you know, with three of us asking the questions, it's a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, we go one at a time and we bounce around the table, and. It just didn't feel the right mood day after surgery or a few days after surgery now, and him at his mom and dad's house where he can't, you know, can't do anything for himself for about a week to mm-hmm. ask that question. But I will ask that question probably next week when he joins us on Monday 
of that question because when he got off the air, I did ask the question, you know, when, you know, would there be a market for Bo Nix out there? And the answer is yes to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I think right now Dan Mullen at Florida has a different football team if Bo Nix is his quarterback. I think Jimbo Fisher in Texas A&M mm-hmm. has a different football team if Bo Nix is his quarterback. Calzada played great against Alabama. He has been pedestrian the rest of the games this year. And uh, so there are a couple of really good programs that I think upgrade with Bo Nix. But we discussed it on the air, and, and truthfully, I think he loves Auburn so much. Uh, his dad quarterback there, his mom cheered there. They're such an Auburn family that I think he could see past one year of football to go ahead and finish the deal at Auburn. And, you know, and then at that point, you're always Bo Nix, Auburn quarterback. Yeah. You're not Bo Nix finishing your career in, say, a Florida Gator. And that, that sort of hurts you, you know, with your Auburn legacy forever and ever. So I, I, I find it hard to see him quarterbacking a different team. But you bet Bo Nix has played good enough this year that there would be a market for him if he did hit the portal. It is such a an interesting point you bring up, Jim. You know, his dad, Pat Nix, playing at Auburn. They're an Auburn family, always have been, and and I totally get that. While you were talking, I couldn't help but think, you know, Matt Corral is going to graduate, go to the NFL. That's right. Can can you imagine Lane Kiffin getting his hands on, a, on an athlete like Bo Nix? I mean, Lane Kiffin's a guy who coached yep. Blake Sims to, like, Throw more yards in a throw for more yards in a season than any Alabama quarterback had at that time. And Sims was like a he's a great athlete, but had played running back and was nobody thought he was going to throw it around the field. But you know, and I guess and and you know, I, I lead you in this way to the next part of it. You touched on it, you know, stand up guy Jim. I hope that regardless of what happens with the rest of Bo's career, I look at him as a tough kid. I saw him the other day. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he breaks that ankle. And he kept playing. He completed he, he completed nine more throws for like fifty something percent. A couple of them were big conversion throws after he broke his ankle. He didn't you know, flop around on the field. He didn't need a trip up the tunnel. You'd have to look real close or watch on TV to know that he was hurt. Um I just my hat's off to I, he, he earned a lot of respect in a lot of ways, but he really earned my respect the other day. Yeah, and you, you played the game. You know everyone's like, okay, maybe he got a shot when he went in the tent, or maybe they gave him pain medication. It takes a while for that stuff really to set in. And when you're – he didn't miss a he didn't miss a, uh, a drive. Next time it was his time to go answer the bell, he went out there, and I think he passed for 109 yards and a touchdown drive maybe on he the did. broken ankle. He did. Uh, so, I mean, that's, that's quite a bit. And he said he knew that it was injured. Um, the way he had the same injury when he was in high school his junior year. Mm. And he said it felt a lot like that, so he sort of knew that it was pretty bad. But he just didn't want to didn't want to come out of the game because he felt like they were, if they could get a score, they could get a score. Every time he go back, if we get a score, maybe we could stop, stop them once and, and maybe still win the game. And I agree with you. He's a tough guy. He's played better football this year. Uh, has he played perfect football at times? No, but he's had some really good halves and some really good games. And I hope, you know, he's got a, you know, some new coaching staff that didn't recruit him. The portals change things so much, but I hope he gets one more year to be the quarterback and has a really good year so that, you know, he can be that tough guy who also finishes, you know, in a, with a good taste in his mouth and a good taste for Auburn fans so they can like him a long, long time. 
Absolutely. Jim Dunaway on your radio. Y'all follow him on Twitter if you don't already. He is at Jim Dunaway. He's with The Next Round, a new uh, digital sports content um, uh, juggernaut in the, based in the state of Alabama. Y'all follow them and tune in. You can get The Next Round app. I highly recommend it. Uh, he and um, Ryan and Lance do a great job with their content. So this weekend, really kind of like the game in the SEC Jim is Alabama, Arkansas. A couple of ranked teams, obviously uh, Alabama, but Arkansas in there. And you know, I know Alabama's a, a big favorite. It's in Tuscaloosa. But when you look at this, how much of a chance do you give Arkansas? Hey, Ben, they, Alabama was a big favorite in College Station, and they lost to Texas A and M. Sure, Alabama's always a big favorite, man. So when they lose, it's it's uh, usually their their big favorite. Um, I give Arkansas a chance, um, uh, mainly because. They're physical, and they can run the ball. And, you know, Alabama 2009 to 2013-14, you know, they could line it up in the trenches with anybody in America um, and some NFL teams, I thought, and could hold their own. Um, Nobody could push Alabama around. Um, That's not the case anymore. Their changing philosophy on defense has made it to where when a team – gets into the square with them and gets into a fist fight with them, they don't always win that game. They have some some issues at times with run gaps and, and being in the right place mm-hmm. and uh, manning up and stopping a physical running team. And I think that's what Arkansas is going to try to do. They're going to try to, you know, get them close to the – close to the you – know, do some gut punches and do it sort of like they did to Texas. And uh, Arkansas fans hope it turns out the same way. So I – you know, it's a challenging game for me. I think anything with Alabama's defense, the way it has been inconsistent, is on the table. LSU was physical with them. Um, I would say LSU was more physical in that game than Alabama was. Mm. And and they hung around, and they hung around, and played in Tuscaloosa with a chance to win the game twice, maybe three times late. So I could see it if Alabama is not scorching the earth with their offense like they've done in recent years that this could be a game a lot like the LSU game. Now, if, if Alabama has some success running the football early on and it opens up that passing game, it could get out of hand pretty quick. But that's where Alabama is now with the latest injury to Roydale Williams. Mm. Alabama really is down to Brian Robinson at running back. And then a lot of guys that are coming off injuries or haven't played at running back. So their depth at running back is scary thin right now to where they go from a very – you know, probably C plus, C plus um, running game mm-hmm. to no running game at all, and just slinging it around the yard with Bryce Young. So they need some running game, and they're down to just one running back. So this one could be interesting to me. No comfort level at all from this guy. You know, I feel the same way. I, I I'm just like you, Jim. You know, it's like I expect Alabama to win. I just don't expect it to be beautiful and easy and a breeze. You know, but. And I'll tell you this, too. You know, we saw Arkansas in person two weeks ago in Fayetteville and a healthy Traylon Burks, like he'd been banged up, but he missed the week before and got fully healthy. And they based their entire offensive plan against Mississippi State around him. Like, we all talk about K.J. Jefferson and the run game and the offensive line, and they are physical. But he was one of, I think, the best players, football players, we've seen all year long. And they moved him all over the place. And I know this, it's a it's because it's Alabama, it's gonna be a tape game for him. Like for NFL evaluators. 
And so Alabama fans are going to see, I'm telling you, one of the best individual players they've seen all year in that Arkansas receiver, Traylon Burks. And he's one of those guys, Matt, and you've seen players like this, that you could be in perfect coverage. Mm-hmm. You've done your job exactly the way you're coached. You could not do it any better, and he still makes the play on you. He's one of those kind of guys. And sometimes he does it with two guys on him. And that's those are the kind of guys that you just you just sort of tip your hat and right. end up on you got mopped, you know? That's, that's, that's the kind of guy that, <laughs> that he can beat you. And you you have that kind of guy out there, and then a little bit of confusion with the secondary, that that can lead to some headaches for this Alabama team because you can count on it uh, everywhere except in Starkville this year. Alabama's had some blown plays where there have been 20 yards, 30 yards, 40 yards, and you're like, where was the defender on that play? And they were totally confused and not in the right place. That didn't happen in Starkville. That was Alabama's best game. But every other time, there's at least one or two plays a game that you just go, man, there was not 11 guys on the same page on defense. There's one guy wide open. Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, that, that game in, in Starkville was, what, the week after Alabama had lost to A&M. And, I mean, Alabama was totally shot out of a cannon and ready to play. And there's a reason. It's just a, the latest example, isn't it, Jim, of Nick Saban is Nick Saban when he needs to be Nick Saban. Uh, he is, and but I, you know, I thought you would get that again coming out of the bye week against LSU. Traditionally, yeah. mm-hmm. out of that bye week against LSU, you get a really good Alabama performance, and um, and that wasn't the case. They did not; they were not clicking offensively, and um, you know, I wonder, I wonder what they've got, what they've got in store for Arkansas this week. Now, you'll learn a lot about the character of that that team this weekend and whether or not they can challenge Georgia in Atlanta or not. No doubt about it. Jim, it's great to talk with you. You know, almost a 20-minute interview, and if we take nothing else away from it, which we do, but if we didn't, we at least take this away. Never tweet during the ball game, Right, Jim? Mm, uh, Matt, I <laughs> promise you that that I, I've, I've fallen on that sword before, and I thought I would never do it again, but I did it again. Hey, we live and we learn. (laughs) That's great. That's good. We can laugh about it. Hey, Jim, thank you, buddy. I appreciate it very, very much. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon, buddy. Bye. All right. That's Jim Dunaway from the Next Round. Y'all download the Next Round app. You can catch their content throughout the day. Friends over in the Birmingham area. He's on Twitter, at Jim Dunaway, and on Instagram uh, as well. Hour three, the casserole hour underway. We'll continue when we come back in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Stay with me. Get ready for the Mississippi State Radio Analyst. And he's on your radio right now. No. You've got the Matt Wyatt Show on 105.9 The Zone and online at thezone1059.com. And, all right, let's be honest about this, right? Chuck commented here on Facebook, and he said, one of my Auburn fan co-workers blamed the referees for the loss. And, uh, you know, we've had games around here where we talked about it a lot, officials affecting the outcome of the game. We had one the week before. Felt like a bad call kept State from closing the game out, and then... 
the defense wasn't able to close the game out and you lost to Arkansas, right? So, look, this is the truth, Chuck. I mean, officials do play a role in the outcome of the ballgames. Did penalties play a role in State closing that game out and winning it at Auburn? Yes, they did. And the thing about it is, I mean, the thing that I look at, again, is there's really only one call that went against Auburn in the game the other day that was somewhat controversial as to whether it should have been called that way, right? And I say somewhat controversial because, you know, there's a lot of Auburn fans that didn't feel like that was a targeting or should be a targeting. When you think about it this way, Chuck, and that's the conversation I would have, it's just like state fans the week before. You go, okay, which calls are we talking about being controversial? Well, there were really just, you know, there really there was one. There's one controversial moment, and it was the they called uh holding they called a Mississippi State defensive back for holding a receiver. Replay showed he just kind of fell down. But it fooled the official he called it. But you still had plays after that, right? And it affected the game. That was the controversial moment. Well, this Auburn game, there was really one. The other calls in the game that went against Auburn, and there were some, um, they weren't arguable. They weren't controversial. The one was the targeting that was controversial. And I just really think, like I said yesterday, it... If that happens, the officials are going to call targeting. You could show that play uh, to coaching staffs around college football, and they're going to look at that. I'm telling you, they're going to look at it and go, well, the game has changed, but I'm telling you, based on the rule, they're going to call that targeting if we do that. And you're right. See, and then, like we did yesterday, we step away from the, are they going to call it? Yeah, they're going to call it. Based on what the officials are told to do with targeting, they're going to call that. Launching, head, neck, crown of the helmet, boom, targeting. They're going to call it, period, all day, every day. Then we step aside and we start arguing other stuff. Should the rule be that way? Should that be a rule that they're enforcing that way? Should the rule throw a guy out of the game for that you know, infraction, if they're going to call it? We have these side conversations. Whether or not that play satisfied targeting, it pretty much did. And it's just like the one they see, they didn't call targeting on the field right there, but they reviewed it and called it. Well, earlier in the game, they called targeting, you'll remember, on Emmanuel Forbes, the corner for Mississippi State, called it on the field, reviewed it. You could see it wasn't targeting. Number one, he's going to catch the football. The only contact between he and the receiver was he beat the receiver to the football, got in front of him, and they hit each other. But it wasn't some sort of launching head and neck, defenseless, helmet-to-helmet, crown-of-the-helmet. It didn't satisfy any of those, so they waved it off. And that was legit, too. So I think it's the nature of all of us. Certain things happen. Somebody's going to blame it on the officials. Well, do they affect the outcome of the game? Yeah. But when you have that many penalties, okay, you got one that's controversial. It's just like the week before. We talk about it. We're passionate about it. 
Did the guy blow the call against State at the end of the game? He did. But I don't know that you necessarily point to that and go, that's the reason State lost. I mean, is it, or did you give up too many yards? <laughs> you know, did you give up too many points? Did you not make a field goal? We'll see what I mean. Like, we missed three field goals, right? So, factors and reasons, they seem like two different deals. That's just how I feel about it. Jimmy on Twitch enjoyed the Matt Stinchcomb interview earlier. He said, I think Matt Stinchcomb is the best on the SEC network. I do wish that they would pair him with Dave Neal. You know what? I think Matt and Dave actually did call some games together. They were paired up as a crew, what, two years ago, three years ago? Something like that. Yeah, I like Matt because he doesn't – there's no sugarcoating. There's no undercutting. It is – it's right here. I'm just going to tell you like it is. Take it or leave it. Matt's not one who's out here trying to get attention. He doesn't seek attention, doesn't feel as though he needs to the attention, uh, salacious attention in order to make a living, and I appreciate that about him very, very much. All right. Um, Denzel texted the show. He said, people may laugh at this. Better watch out for an upset in the South Carolina-Auburn game. No Bo Nix, and I'm assuming no Carlson equals upset alert. South Carolina looks to be playing a little better. They do. Remember T.J. Finley for LSU last year lit South Carolina up. Just lit them up. Uh, somebody texted me that in 1974, USC was playing Notre Dame and scored 55 points in the second half and won 55-24. to and it was called The Comeback. And Bass Dog says, one flag doesn't account for 40 unanswered points. Yeah, you're right about that. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Hey, I got a note for you, Bill. This is going to ring a bell with you, a memory. This, I guarantee you remember this. This is going way back now. Football in America is a special game. A unique game. Played nowhere else on earth. It is a rare game. The men who play it make it so. All right. NFL history, Bill. Lay it on me. This takes us back to 1968. I was watching it then. Okay. It was... A 1968 AFL game between the Oakland Raiders and the visiting New York Jets. The contest was held on this day, November the 17th, 1968. The game is noticeable, I'm sorry, notable, for its exciting finish in which Oakland scored two touchdowns in the final minute of the game to win 43-32, however... It's called the Heidi game. Yeah, I thought it was a Super Bowl game, and then I remembered after I talked to you that it was not. Well, Bill, tell them what the, <laughs> why they call it the Heidi game. Well, they call it the Heidi game is because the network television people and their, all their wisdom decided that, ah, oh, that old football, nobody wants to see it. We're going to stop it right here, and we're going to show Heidi the movie. <laughs> sure enough, they broke into, due to programming differences, we have to, to break away from this NFL football game. We'll show you the movie. Heidi in its entirety. 
Okay. And they left the game. Right. Thousands, and then the big comeback. Thousands of football fans are sitting here watching the TV going, wait a minute, <laughs> the game's not over. Yeah, and, and, and you know, they didn't and, make any money off football back then. You know? Apparently not. The game's not over. Whatever. You're not going to show us the end of the game. And they get up the next morning and read the paper to find out that Oakland scored two touchdowns in the last minute and to come back game. and win 43 yep. to 32. And it was the two really good. Heidi game. The infamous Heidi game. It was two really good teams at that time in 68. In, uh, the Raiders, that put the Raiders at 8 and 2, and it dropped the Jets to 7 and 3. It's about the last time the Jets were any good, frankly. Uh, back in 68. But anyway, yeah, it says a decision by the game's <laughs> television broadcaster, NBC, NBC, to break away from its coverage on the East Coast to broadcast the television film Heidi <laughs> resulted in many viewers <laughs> missing the Raiders' comeback. Yeah. They could still see it on the on the West Coast and the Central Time Zone, but the East Coast lost it. They didn't get yeah, it. it. Hey, listen to this. Response to the preemption. Okay, and if, you, if you're if you listening, you're like, wait a minute, preemption. Yeah, so that's like a very media, especially television term. They say something gets preempted. Yeah. You know, but by definition, we can look that up. But what it just means is, hey, we're taking that show off and putting this one on because we got some kind of contractual deal here. Response to the preemption by viewers and other critics was negative. The family members of several Jets players were unaware of the game's actual conclusion. While NBC received further criticism for its poor timing in displaying the final score of the game during the Heidi movie. <laughs> yeah, like any of those fans were watching that, right? <laughs> it's like you're just watching Heidi hoping they should. We didn't see the score. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. For years and years, I've heard about the Heidi game. The Heidi game. The Jets and Raiders met again that year on December 29th in the AFL Championship game. The Jets yep. won 27-23, and two weeks later, they beat the Baltimore Colts in the Super Bowl. in that infamous Super Bowl three, The one that Joe Namath called. Yep, he guaranteed a win. Guaranteed a win. But earlier in the year, they lost to the Raiders, and nobody saw it. <laughs> but they sure saw Heidi. Yep, I hope they were happy. <laughs> Heidi was apparently a very popular movie. Okay, we'll wrap things up with you next here in Hour 3 of the show. Stick around. I'm back. All set to wrap things up with you. Got a few minutes left here on this Wednesday. Appreciate y'all tuning in today. In the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. Uh, JB out at uh, Live Oaks told me they still do have, I think, some seats and tickets available for next Tuesday night. We're going to have a Egg Bowl analytics deal. We'll watch some film and talk about the matchup two nights before the Egg Bowl, and I'll be there at Live Oaks with, with him and others. So. Uh, looking forward to that. Y'all can call them up out there at Live Oaks and get in on it. I hope you will. You know, I was thinking about analytics. <clears throat> you know, it's not just stats, but certain stats are a part of it. And I mentioned some yesterday, and we never actually got around to it. Um, but just for instance, let me throw these at you. Okay, you, you're about to get the SEC portion of your schedule completed, right, once you get all of these games in. Everybody's going to play eight conference games. And with two weeks left in the year, 
only Georgia and Kentucky are done with their SEC games. Right? Because Kentucky's out of conference this week, New Mexico State, and then the following week they play Louisville in the season finale. Georgia out of conference this week. The following week they play Georgia Tech. So Georgia and Kentucky have played all eight of their conference games. Everybody else is at either six or seven. Everybody else has got either one or two left. Ole Miss has two SEC games left. State has one. Ole Miss has played six conference games. State has played seven. And uh, in the SEC stats package that came out, I have the SEC-only stats, meaning against SEC competition. What do they average? And it's pretty interesting. I think you may find it interesting. So I'll give you these numbers right now. Again, these numbers, not overall stats. This is only SEC versus SEC. Scoring offense in league play. Ole Miss fourth in the SEC at 30 points a game. State fifth at 29. Difference of a point in terms of average per ball game. Um, State has played one more game, obviously, and sitting here right now with three more touchdowns. Uh, 26. Yeah, that's offensively. No, that's, yeah, 26 in league play. Ole Miss is 23. And so they'll get at least three and, and may have more before it's all said and done. But that's where it is right now. The average for Ole Miss is 30.7 points a game in league play. State is at 29.6. So a difference of 1.1 point uh, per game. That's scoring. Offense. Now, what about scoring defense? Will they give up on defense? Now, Georgia is the number one, obviously. Get this, against SEC teams, Georgia averages giving up eight points a ball game. <laughs> number two in the league, in league play, is A&M giving up 20 points a ball game. In Mississippi State's defense, scoring defense, the points you give up on the scoreboard, sixth in league play at 26 points a game. Ole Miss is 11th, giving up 31 points a game against SEC teams. Last in the league is Vanderbilt, giving up 40 points a game in SEC play. Uh, you could do, let's see, you could do plays. Mississippi State has run the most plays against other SEC teams. Um, you could do total yards. Any, any stats you can think of, total offense, total defense. Here was another one that I was trying to find. Okay, rushing and passing. All right. Rushing offense. Again, SEC stats only. In league play, Ole Miss is best rushing offense in the SEC against other league teams, averaging 226 rushing yards a game. Georgia second at 212. Kentucky third at 202. Those are the only three offenses averaging more than 200 rushing yards per game against other SEC teams. That's rushing. As little as Mississippi State runs the ball, 
they still have more rushing touchdowns against SEC teams than Vanderbilt does. <laughs> okay, so I just kind of put it in perspective. Uh, uh, defense against the run in league play. Georgia is one, Alabama two. Those are the only two giving up less than 100 yards a game in the SEC. State is third in rush defense in the SEC at 114 a game against other league teams. Ole Miss is 12th, giving up 200 rush yards a game. That's rush defense. And if you look at pass defense, kind of a difference there in SEC play. State is fifth in the SEC in passing defense against other league teams at 232 a game. Ole Miss is 11th in pass defense at 262. All of Ole Miss's stuff is going to go up, but you're doing an average. It won't go up a lot, but it will go up after playing Vanderbilt when they kind of roll them up and roll them out. And so that's pass defense. Now passing offense, you know, you're looking at just yards. That That's what that is. Obviously, State's the number one passing offense against SEC teams. They go for 388 a game. Alabama is two at 311. Ole Miss is number five in the SEC against other league teams at 248 a game. But most of Ole Miss's touchdowns in against other SEC uh, teams. Most of Ole Miss's touchdowns have been on the ground. They have 15 rushing touchdowns against SEC teams. They have seven passing touchdowns against SEC teams. So a bit of a difference there. All right, let's hit the phone line. Divinity Equipment phone. We're Ready Teddy from Strength Roofing and Siding is hanging on. What's up, Ready Teddy? Well, Matt, until today I haven't heard you speak much about the event at Live Oak Tuesday, but um, we will be there. Awesome. And we've got a court we've got a corporate table and I hope you don't mind me doing this, but one of our guys is gonna be out of town, so we are giving away two seats at our corporate table. So if anyone wants to t- try to win those, all they have to do is go to my Facebook page, which is Teddy McCraney, like and share that post which tells about the event and Friday I will do a drawing and someone can Come and bring some them. Uh, bring someone with them. So it'll be two seats at our table that are available to win on Facebook. That's awesome. Okay, so they go to Facebook. They need to look up Teddy McCraney on Facebook. Yeah. And uh, if you're looking at you know that y'all, if y'all look at Facebook and you're like, is this the one? He's with Strength Roofing and Siding, <laughs> and right. um, and he's got a post on there about a couple of seats for the event on Tuesday night at Live Oaks. Teddy, that's really nice of you, man. Don't ever let don't yeah, just, uh, don't don't ever let anybody tell you that Ole Miss fans can't be really nice people. <laughs> we'll find out Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> no, <wait. laughs> I look forward to meeting you, man. Y'all you think, too. Yeah, just people go like and share it, man. I look forward to meeting somebody. Okay, like and share that post. That's on Facebook. Thanks, Teddy. Ready, Teddy. Strength roofing and siding gives you a free estimate. Let me see if I can remember that number off the top of my head, uh, Bill. I think what we say is 502, is it 7646? Hang on one second here. Hang on one second. I'm, I'm, I say it every day, but I'm thinking, I'm trying to remember. 601-502, I think it's 7646. Hang on. Let me make sure I'm not going to. 
That's it. I remember Woo woo. <laughs> Get a free estimate uh, from Strength Roofing and Siding from the man you just heard from, Teddy McCraney, and that number 601-502-7646. 601-502-7646. There you go. There you go. Yeah, all right. So um, tomorrow, Thursday, I did not look ahead at the games. I know there's not a top 25 team playing tomorrow, Thursday, but there there will be a game tomorrow. But you also have games tonight. So you have, yeah, you got Maxion tonight here on Wednesday night. Okay, so on ESPN2 tonight at 6, it's Northern Illinois at Buffalo. In Northern Illinois, the Salukis, they are 7-3. and three. Or is that Southern Illinois? I don't know. But on ESPNU at 6, you're going to have Central Michigan at Ball State. So there's that. And then, of course, you had some games last night and Maxon didn't watch. The Thursday night game's not bad. I mean, you know, it's not great teams, but um, tomorrow night, Thursday night on ESPN, it is 6.30 kick between Louisville and Duke. Duke is 3-7. and seven, Louisville is 5-5. Five and five. Louisville is a halfway decent favorite in that ball game. Uh, so you can watch that. And then uh, tomorrow night, Thursday night, the NFL matchup is going to be Mac Jones and the Patriots on the road in the Dome in Hotlanta against Matt Ryan and the Falcons. Falcons dropped four and five, got blown out by the Cowboys this past weekend. Patriots blew somebody out. I forget who it was, but uh, Mac Jones had a big day for them, and he's Got him at six and four, and the Patriots are undefeated on the road this year. Trying to go five and zero on the road, they're four and zero right now. That'll be your game tomorrow night. So by the time we get on the air tomorrow, you know it'll be game day somewhere somehow. And we'll take a look at the high school schedule tomorrow as well. That's it for us in the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team, and I will see you tomorrow. Another load of smart pills has been distributed, and I'm slap worn out. So I'll just say. So long, neighbors. Get me out of here, Percy.